Anytime you see a movie that will be someone's favorite movie in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, like any movie that's ever came out, it's someone's number one. Yeah. Someone uh, has seen Venom and is, is its favorite, is their favorite movie. I actually know someone who uh, is a former coworker whose favorite movie is Venom. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's what it's... At least their favorite Marvel movie, I know for sure. Their favorite Marvel movie mm-hmm. is uh, Venom. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to run into the guy that's like, you know what? I absolutely enjoyed Morbius. I just, I can't believe that. Haven't met them yet. Yeah, that's <laughs> a, I'm waiting for that day. The guy whose favorite movie was Venom, he talked to me about Morbius, and he said, yeah, it wasn't that good. So when that guy said Morbius isn't that good, then yeah, it means something. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> that's when you're like, if it's, I knew a kooky guy, and if he called someone kooky, I was like, that person's fucking kooky. Mm-hmm. It's like when the clinically insane person says, you're crazy. Yeah, they sober up for a minute, and they're like, man, you're nuts. Reality exists for them for a split second. Yep. All right, I guess I can intro. All right. Because it's so much fun, Jan. Get it. Okay, let's think. Jan Goodall. So it's a director that does nature documentaries. Um... Antlers Holst. No. Do you want me to... Uh, I'll do another part of it. Okay. All right. Um, so the person asks, why do you include so much gratuitous violence in your movies? Oh. Because it's so much fun, Jan. Get it. Tarantino. Yep. <laughs> See, I think I've seen that quote. <laughs> yeah. If you, uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, look up Quentin Tarantino uh, because it's so much fun. That video is... Uh, he, he's like giving an interview about violence in his movies and why his films are so... Uh, gratuitous with the violence and he just is honest he says because they're so much fun yeah they're they're awesome people like seeing it i like making it so why stop why not (laughs) i'm true to myself um so yeah welcome to the neon crew podcast my name is kyle and i'm mac um so yeah we've got some stuff to talk about we've got some things but uh yes a bit of a bit of movie news first oh i want to get your thoughts on this okay so there's uh, there's some racist people out there. Shocker. I know, right? And they have a problem with the Little Mermaid live action trailer because Ariel is uh, black instead of white. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. That's what's causing a, uh uproar? Well, it's been an uproar, I guess, because when they announced it like two years ago, they yeah. announced that Ariel was going to be played by a black actress. And people already were like, no, we can't. We can't have that. Ariel's supposed to be white. She was white in the cartoon. Drop a purity line. Just let me hear you drop a purity <laughs> line and just go back to the 40s Aryan race. Oh, my God. And what's what's dumb is that, like, people already, like, have written it off because of, like, their perception of, like, what it's going to be like. Oh, because it's played by a black actress, it's going to be bad. Like that's, Right. It's so narrow-minded thinking, and it's like... I don't know. Have you seen the trailer for it at all? Like, because they recently released it. No, it popped up on the Facebook stuff, and there's a couple. I, I'm and I'm I'm not racist. I'm just I have no interest in seeing this. So I no. think it's kind of like when when they started doing all the live action stuff. I pretty much just wrote all of it off. Yeah, and that's that's exactly my thinking too. <laughs> it's like I'm not I'm not super invested in it because it's a live action Disney remake. Right. You know, not it has nothing to do with like the actress or anything. And like honestly, she seemed like the best part of what the trailer offered. 
Yeah. The trailer wasn't very good, I will say that, but well, her, I mean, her singing and her her appearance and like her her demeanor as Ariel seemed from what I saw pretty accurate. So that's you know. cool. I mean, that's good. I don't. I, I'm. I'm not. I could care less. But I'll just say that. I, what's weird is that like the trailer is so it's all set underwater, um, and it's super dark. Like visually, everything's like very dimly lit, and I could barely see anything. And I made sure to watch two different versions of the trailer, like on different YouTube channels, just mm-hmm. to make sure like one of them wasn't fucked up. And no, that's just how the trailer is. So does that mean that's how the whole movie's gonna be? Like it's just really dark and hard to see everything could be like i mean or they just picked one of the shots and it could be one of the you know they're we live in such a weird world where like in the trailers they they try to hide things Mm. but in the 90s you could do that because social media wasn't around so there would be a lot of rumors and then there when the trailer got released whatever probably big rumor was going around was the big reveal in the trailer. That was the hook. Yeah. And I think from what I still see is that they still do that. Mm. But like we have social, I don't know. We have social media now. So I see people will, I'm trying to think there was, there was an example I knew not too long ago where they were guessing, Oh, the Spider-Man stuff. Everyone rumored that, you know, McGuire and Garfield were going to be in it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I just pretty much went like, well, this has caught enough fire that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And then they did it in the trailer. Like, they kind of, you know, made the big reveal. And, like, everyone went nuts. It's like, you, we, how do you yeah. not accept it? Like, it just, it, we, every, how do you not <laughs> see it? And then be like, oh, like right. it's really here. Like, I don't know. Yeah, like, imagine... Like, imagine the reaction that people would have had if, like, they didn't announce at all that Ariel was going to be black. Like, they just revealed it in the trailer. Like, And imagine the trailer that you saw with it being dimly lit, not being able to make out the character that you're seeing, and then seeing that. Mm-hmm. You know, you it, can make out the character okay. It's just, like, the rest of the trailer, I thought, was, oh. like, it was just super weirdly dark. And I think that's mostly because it's Disney trying to hide the fact that, like, so much of it is CG. Like, obviously, oh. you can get away with doing a lot more CG if the environment is dark and yeah. you can hide a lot more things. You can play into it, too. I mean, it's they're in the, mm-hmm. the depths of the water. So, I mean, if they're right. trying to make it kind of more of a true depiction, like, I think it would be, it wouldn't kinda, be well lit. Kind of like what they attempted for uh, The Lion King. I guess. As, yeah. like, trying to make it more of, like, oh, we're trying to make it look like a documentary, even though it's a tale about lions and Hamlet, basically. Yeah, yeah like, we're, we're actually, like, in the water with Ariel, yeah. you know, instead <laughs> of it just being, like, why don't you just make it really vibrant and fun? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, what Disney does. There's a whole quote from John Favreau, who directed the Lion King remake, mm-hmm. about how the skies in the original movie he thought were way too beautiful to be real life skies so they purposefully made the skies in the lion king remake not as grand and not as beautiful to like make it (laughs) realistic which is the dumbest fucking thing because it's a movie like wouldn't you want things to look nice like what the Uh, fuck yeah (laughs) i always thought that quote was so dumb it's there's people uh, it's art you know that's art you take creative endeavors yeah he took a creative nosedive (laughs) fuck we should talk about the Lion King remake one of these days. I feel like compare it to the original. I think that would be 
That'd probably be a fun one. I think that would be a fun one. That would be a fun one. Just it, it'd be mostly just shitting on the remake, but <laughs> uh yeah. And I'll save I'll save it. I've seen it once. It was kind of a big I I don't get swept up in the things and sometimes when I do in the moment I'm like, Oh, that is so much grander and then, you know, mm-hmm. after you let it marinate, there's just it's gone. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, I don't remember anything about it. I just remember being super excited when I was seeing it. A lot of those in the moment feelings that might not carry over on yeah, a second watch. I think people kinda and I've gotten away from it as older I've gotten, but I, that would came out two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. So I mean I think at that at the time, like uh yeah, people were making a big big hoopla about it so i i was like oh yeah i think i will like this yeah right you know people were telling you that it was awesome and so you're like i think i i think it's gonna be awesome too yeah i want to be part of that crowd i think a lot of it too was like the nostalgia that people would get from watching the trailer for the remake because they use a lot of the same music i mean it's a lot of the same characters a lot of the same beats like all their oh dude there's pride rock you know like that I, sort of thing. Like growing up, we had so many different movies that we watched that were way above our grade level. Mm-hmm. So like my I'd get more nostalgia if they made a silver bullet remake. <laughs> I would watch that and like have goosebumps if they, and if they did it well. Because they did they there's uh they did um oh what is that movie called? Um it's oh it's something about vampires. Oh I can't remember the name. Twilight? No, it's uh something Friday. Freaky Friday? No, that's what keeps coming to my head. But it's Jamie um, Lee Curtis is a vampire. Vamp. Oh, I'll have to look it up. But they had. We used to watch the original of it, and then they had the remake come out not too long ago. And uh, I can see the cover of it. it. It's about this guy that was dating this dude's mom, and it, it was an '80s film, and, and the guy was a vampire. And is it just called Friday Night? Friday. Yeah, maybe that's what. It's something like that. Mm. Is, okay. there, is there a poster of it? Well, there's a uh, there's a 1985 movie and then there's a 2011 movie. Friday, what's it called? Friday night. Is it? What's the description on the plot? Um, a teenager discovers that the newcomer in his neighborhood is a vampire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Friday night. That's okay. what it was called, and it was like we watched that when I was eight or nine. Oh, and you know, it was if there was boobs, we had to turn our eyes away. But other than that, we got to watch everything. <laughs> so. Your father's rule: as long as there's no boobs, then you can that watch was, it. Well, even if there was, if it was only that scene, we we just have to look away, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, like that would be something like that. That it kind of fell into that vein. But then, you know, when they make these horror remakes now, they don't. There was so much teen angst in the '80s and rebellion against parents, mm. and a lot of the uh, kind of the coming of age stories, yeah. or you know, like. Kind of like a um, little bit of Caddyshack, American Pie, kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, and, and but you throw them into like, like, hor- like weird some, science horror films. Really, just kind of these really outlandish, like, thing, you know, mm-hmm. creative. And then they do these remakes now, and they take all of that, the vibe away. Yeah. So they go like, hey, like, let's do Friday Night again. Is that what it's really called, Friday Night? That's what I found. Fright uh, Night. Fright Night? I think it's called Fright Night. Did I misread it? Am I, uh, I, I Well, I could have said it, too. I think it's called Fright Night. It, it definitely is Fright Night. I definitely just misread it. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was saying... I I'm remember. just a dyslexic piece of shit. Wow. We, but I, it's, I'm sitting here talking about the thing. I can't remember it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then you'd see they come out with Fright Night. It's like, hey, like, let's actually have it where instead of you know him kind of becoming a man, he already is a man, and he just kills the vampire. And everyone's like... 
yeah, yeah. we'll make it more actiony and scary. And mm. then you just take away a lot of what made Fright Night good. I haven't seen the remake, so yeah. it could be it could be my favorite film. I don't know. That's what a lot of remakes I feel like have been doing. They've just been missing the point of the original. Yeah, hundred percent. They, they for some reason they're like, hey, we'll make it better. Yeah, and then by making it better, we'll just take out all the substance. For John Favreau, his version of better was to make it more quote unquote realistic and to get away from like the two D cartoonish aspect of it. Yep. Because if you listen to interviews and like watch him talk about it, he's very dismissive and almost like kind of disrespectful of like 2d animation as a form you know i can see that i think some people I mean, it's like what are you dude you're doing the same thing you're just making it 3d yeah but i mean to me it's like 3d doesn't always mean better no 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 i'm i'm, I'm laughing because he's like snot it's like yeah dude, it'd be like if tarantino was like we're actually gonna get lions and put them in with people <laughs> like that would be me going like oh that's a guy that appreciates this and really does hate using technology like mm-hmm. 2ds and 3ds just different forms of technology that you're using to create the image yeah so i mean you could probably make it simpler maybe with 2d like i guess it still takes a lot of uh attention to detail and then 3d all Absolutely. you're doing is i don't know that that sounds really dumb. It's like a guy that's like a football guy that just goes, "Ugh, you're running that." Yeah, and it's kind of like the David Lynch thing. Like, ah, these these kids, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, great, John. Thanks. Thanks, John. Yeah. Um, speaking of John, there, there, John is a is a name for like a, a customer Person. of of prostitutes, right? Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, if you're Johnny. And uh, speaking of that sort of thing, we watched... (laughs) That sort of thing. Last Night in Soho. Woo! Uh, We're going to talk about that. So did you want to describe this? Oh, you want Neon Demon, don't you? And then I'll get Neon Demon. All right. Yeah. We'll we'll take this one. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yep. Definitely watched this one last night. So both of them are rather fresh. Last Night in in Soho? Oh. Oh. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I think this is uh, Edgar Wright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Edgar Wright. Um, twenty. It's usually at the top. Twenty twenty one film uh, about an aspiring fashion designer uh, who can mysteriously get into the sixties. Mm-hmm. And uh, so her name's Eloise. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Okay, because I, I I kept saying I was like I think I'm saying it wrong. Eloise Turner. Yes, and. Um, she 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 she's played by oh my god Thomas and McKenzie oh Jesus Christ why are they doing this to me I got you don't thanks. worry thanks bro yeah we got that we got Anna Taylor Joy in it as Sandy Matt Smith as Jack not well and then selling to Johnny's um and then a couple other uh, little uh, little names here and there yeah yeah one of the guys I actually I, I recognize I just can't remember what he was in the older guy that played. Oh, okay. You know, I, yeah. I, mean, I was like that face. I know that guy, but I, I, I just did not look him up. He has a very recognizable actor yeah. face. So what we ha- what we get is is the, the movie opens up, and this uh, Eloise is talking to her. She's kind of going through some stuff. She's got some designer things that she's looking at, and uh, she made a dress out of newspaper. You know, and she's doing the thing, and um, you know, she sees her dead mom in the mirror. You know, kind of does a high five with her and all that stuff. <laughs> Fist bump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, find out she's raised by her grandma and that this academy um, that really never comes into play at all uh, just said, hey, why don't you come to London? We're going to get you into, you know, designer school mm-hmm. and we'll have you, um, you know, take classes. We really like your work. You think you got a chance. So she goes to London. Um, 
first night's a little bit of a drag uh, in terms of just being a social outcast. Just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, like friend getting boned or roommate having sex, and then she gets out, and then she goes to the party and decides that she's going to go to sleep. And, uh, you know, a nice gentleman, not the one that hits on her, but the other guy kind of just sticks up for her and, mm-hmm. you know, defends her, and they get to talk and whatnot, which I was like, that's this is odd. No one's like, Hey man, like what's up? Yeah. You know, just, Oh, this is normal. Uh huh. You know? And then, uh, so she goes, Hey, not my life. I'm going to go, I'm going to go get an apartment. I'm going to get a job. You know, I want to be by myself. So she goes and sees, uh, one of the, one of the, uh, landlords at for an apartment mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, uh, gets a job at a bar so she can pay for it and uh one night all of a sudden she's just transported back into the 60s she's just a completely different person she kind of doesn't know what's going on it's like she's you know out of body so she's looking through the mirrors and stuff and they do a really good job of you know that she's someone else for i would say longer than needed mm-hmm. like there was like a shot where so for how about this that's about it. And then all of a sudden, events happen. Uh, Eloise goes through, and it's kind of turning into this um, little bit of detective work, murder mystery, uh, hallucinations, mm-hmm. just some bizarre stuff. Yeah. So, and that's that's about the gist. So, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Kyle, where do you want to start off with this? Um, so, this is my second time seeing this movie, your okay. first time. And I, I feel about it about the same that I did when I first watched it. I think it's Edgar Wright's weakest movie that I've seen. A hundred percent. I think that, um, let's go through the, it really, I, I really like the ideas that they present in it. And there's a lot that I do appreciate about it, but the ending, I think the third act is like the weakest part of the movie by far. The whole movie's weak. I think... Uh, I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> yes, you did. Oh, okay. But we'll get into it. Well, that's on air. <laughs> that's that's in the recording. Yeah. Um, so I think that, I like I said, I like the ideas. Um, I really like Thomas and Mackenzie. I think she is a good actress, and I think that she plays the part well. I, mm-hmm. I like the concept of her losing her mind, and she's got this connection to her mom having like this mental illness and that sort of plays into what's happening in the story. Um, and I, I like what they have going as far as like the ideas. So but, I guess I missed a little bit on the mental illness cause I, I had to look this up. I was like, I just want to make sure I didn't miss anything. And then someone mentioned that she might have schizophrenia. Yes. They don't outright say it until she's in the police station. Okay. Being interviewed by those detectives, but yeah, um, you kind of get that sense at the beginning when she sees her mom in the mirror and then her grandma comes into her room and she's like, now you're going to be okay. Uh, no, you don't need the medication anymore. Uh, cause oh, you know, she said that you're, you're, okay. you're, we know that, you know, your mother, uh, wasn't as strong as she wanted to be or like something like that. Yeah. So, and then like when she goes into London and she talks to those people that like she's roommates with or whatever, like one of them, she she tells them that, oh, yeah, my mom killed herself because like they ask her, like, what happened to your mom? You know? Yeah. So you get that sense early on that like she's not going to she doesn't have her full mental faculties with her, which is kind of bizarre to me because she's like becoming a fashion designer. Right. Which they make millions of dollars. <laughs> well, like she wants to continue that because like her grandma's a seamstress and her mom was like kind of in the same business. So I, Yeah, I know. I'm I'm not. 
there were a lot of choices that I just did not agree with in this <laughs> film. And mm-hmm. it was like, it's the same thing I always say. If you could pick anything, the fashion doesn't play really into any of this. No. Well, it... It it does for a bit because she goes back in time the first time and then she uses the dress that she saw Anya right. Taylor Joy wearing but as like inspiration. If if I I could have I could have did it with music, right? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm saying you could substitute out and and you're picking something of that 60 years ago that is probably. It like, is a strange choice to use like fashion as the kind of backdrop for why these things are happening. Yeah. Oh, well, and not only that, but I mean, like, and I'm not. Obviously, people have mental illnesses, but like, why don't you pick something that's not as? Um, I feel like you have to have your bearings for, mm-hmm. you know, like music. If someone and I'm not, I'm just using this as an example. But if you were like, oh yeah, she has schizophrenia or something like that, but and she got on the piano and just went nuts, it's like you know there are people that have Alzheimer's that can they they process memories if they like when they listen to music they used to listen to it like when they were children you mm-hmm. know it helps kind of slow I don't know if it helps slow it down but it does help with some of the memories and being able to recall like bits of information or thoughts yeah you know so like there's probably a different career that they path that they could have used I for her i didn't really pick up on it Mm. i didn't mind the fashion too much because like you said it does it does take like focus and concentration for that type of thing and yes it does kind of serve a purpose later in that like she's starting to lose it she gets frustrated she like rips her paper and like throws it and they're like "Whoa, whoa, whoa ellie what's wrong you know it people around her start to become more concerned about her mental well-being or they you know make fun of it like her I, was say, I think there's like one person that cared everyone else in this film really just never felt like they were concerned about what was going on with her well her the female detective the guy um the like love interest her grandma um the right the but teacher those are all characters that are set up to be the support system like Mm-hmm. The the one that that I was saying is the the love interest. He, yeah, he kind of came in, and that's the one that I'd be like, all right. Obviously. He's really the only one who does anything for her. It, that's all I'm saying. Like, she was literally on her own the whole time mm-hmm. and just running around the streets of L.A. Yeah, and I guess they they use the you mean, mental. Uh, you mean London? <laughs> yeah, London. Sorry, L.A. is the other film that we're gonna <laughs> touch on. <laughs> yes, just you wait. <laughs> uh so um. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I, and it, I don't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. I really, I, I, I'm just gonna. I'll probably just shit on this film every chance I get. So, <laughs> I, I have a feeling that I like this a little more than you did. I, I have a feeling like you did too. So, but you're helping me out with some stuff. I read that she might have schizophrenia. I didn't realize that. I thought it was maybe a theory, but now that you're talking about it, it definitely sounds like they could play into that to give uh, kind of like a uh, unreliable. Na- Sort of an un- unreliable character. Mm-hmm. You know, what we're seeing in this psychological thriller might not be exactly what's happening in the world. Yeah. And she's toying with the world because we're following her as a character. So we can't really trust, you know, what's going on with her, mm-hmm. with her mental state. I feel like this movie was a lot stronger in the first half than the last. So the yes. first half, it does a good job, in my opinion, of establishing like where it wants to go. Mm-hmm. So like the whole being transported back in time to the 60s and how that sort of is slowly being enmeshed into her real life and sort of interfering with her day to day. Yes. You know, it starts that it only happens at night and then it slowly like creeps into like a few elements of her daytime and like pretty soon it's like all that she can see and all that she can like focus on and deal with is like, because when she's at the library, the, you know, hallucinations and the guys start 
popping up, which uh, I want to talk about that for a second. Fucking weak scene. Uh, like, right, sorry, go ahead. Well, like I, I agree with you, and I think that one of the weakest parts of this movie is the whole like zombie element of it. Like that, I don't think was. Are we get into it because this is the, this is what pissed me off. So like at the very end, so, like <laughs> I, I'm. As a horror movie, I don't think this movie works. Like, it's not scary. Like, no. the, the zombies are like way too goofy for their own good. They're, I mean, they're all in their underwear. Well, they're like crawling supposed at to be her. spirits, and it felt like they were. They were the Edgar Wright was kind of prying at the men of the industry, taking advantage of women that are trying. You know, mm. like I was telling uh, uh, Jazz when I was like, this could be in any industry any sort of uh, you know creative undertaking in which you have to rise up mm. and you have to establish a name for yourself through a business you know and like it, it kind of felt like that he was jabbing at like old rich white dudes that take advantage of these young girls as they come through mm -hmm. make these false promises and and you know just pass them around from person to person and never they just hold them down yeah you know it's kind of that glass ceiling that uh, we talk about with women in, in terms of employment, you know, that they're never able to get to a certain certain point because, you know, the people that are ahead of them underpay them and they don't match fair wages, right? So I was kind of like, all right, maybe this is that metaphor. Mm -hmm. But no, a lot. A big a lot. swing and a miss <laughs> there, Johnny. No. Like, well, I see, and that's where, like, a lot of the elements I don't think mesh very well is that, like, <laughs> what Eloise is going through, I feel like is so different from what, Anya Taylor Joy's character went Sandy. Through, yeah, Sandy. Yeah. That I it's it's hard I think f to make that mesh. I think it's hard for that it, to like kind of seem like it has a lot to do with each other because it really doesn't. Like no. the only thing that connects them is that Thomas and Mackenzie Eloise has these visions and can see all these things happening in the past. Like that's the only she connection plays she has detective. To it. Like it just turned into her being a detective and mm -hmm. trying to figure out what happened to the Sandy. Yeah. All the while she's going crazy and like yeah. running away from these zombies. And no one gives I didn't a like shit and everyone calls her crazy and she almost stabs a chick. And then yeah. <laughs> I got so pissed at that. Cause I'm like, and that's where the schizophrenia part kind of starts to pick up for me a little bit of her being like, on. I, I I don't know if it's right, Connor, unreliable narrator, but I mean, we are following her story and the fact that she has this problem, quote unquote, that we're not really sure about is that the, her dreams that she has when she goes to sleep start to stem into real life, mm. which to me didn't really make much sense. Yeah. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, all right, I mean, if she does have a mental condition, then like maybe we are seeing you know, her kind of losing it a little bit, but that, and it doesn't make sense. Cause then she ends up doing the right thing. Anyways. Yeah. Cause it, she ends up being right the entire yeah. time. Yeah. Because so. like you could argue that she's an unreliable narrator until you get to the point where you realize, Oh shit, she's been spot on about everything this entire That's time. That's the fucking problem that I have with this. And not only that, we get into the fucking weird uh, zombie rich white dudes that, Oh, by the, so Sandy is getting whored out by this guy named Jack played by matt smith yeah and which i thought i liked him uh not his character but i thought he did a good job mm -hmm. uh in, in in it but you know and it it, it <laughs> they kept dude it was every time they go back it's just her getting like prostituted like it, they they just beat it over the head so much and it's like he i think he had about 40 minutes worth of a story that he had to make two hours and 10 minutes long mm-hmm yeah, it was just under two hours, I think. 
but yeah, that's what I'm looking up because I don't remember. I I just remember being so frustrated, and we were, I was kind of guessing because, in terms of a psychological thriller, yeah, just under hour fifty six. In terms of like a psychological thriller, I mean, it's like it's kind of fun up to a point. That's what I'm saying. Like I think. I think it starts out strong yep. because the ideas that are presented are very interesting. And yes. then once you get to a certain point, it just kind of goes downhill. Like literally falls off a cliff. Mm-hmm. I think that the zombies are really goofy. Yep. I think that the ending is Well, they're supposed terrible. to be spirits, right? Like you're... I, they're spirits, but they act like zombies. Like they're reaching out for and like grabbing for and they're all going like, yeah, you know, like yeah. to me, they felt more like zombies than ghosts, but they're they like shit. I mean, it was just, that, was, that was bad. <laughs> Either way you look at it, it's yeah. not satisfactory. Yes. And then towards the end when they're like ha- holding her on the bed and like the one zombie dude's like, help us. Yeah. Help I... us kill her. It's yes. Like, okay beat us over the head with it why don't you like make it Not more that, obvious but like why are we why are they doing this to her if they're trying to get her to help yeah and also why are you ma- trying to make us sympathize with like all these people who are taking advantage thank of you sandy's like, character dude like, biggest we get done with that and i looked at i'm like not sure what that's about <laughs> why did we just go through all this and then they flip it and it ends up being you know and watch it up to you know stop right now if you have, if you haven't seen it yet or you're interested i wouldn't recommend it but whatever huh. uh it just turns out to be sandy and she's like i've been killing him i was doing and then like i know she's running through the vents in her head and she's like oh my god like you know and then like we're doing all the math and we're seeing it's like okay so why do we pick fucking rape and prostitution then if we're gonna come back and have her kill it and then i was like i agree with her like i don't (laughs) care if she has been doing this it's like she totally could have made a case to let like Thomas and Mackenzie would have understood. Like she would have been like, <laughs> you think I, I, I got you girl, you know, but yeah. then, then she's like, full, she goes full villain monologue. And it's like, yes, I've been killing all of them. And also I've put poison in your tea. You're going to die. Don't worry. I won't stab you. Like I did the others. Like, yeah, I'll just let you have, do whatever we got to do. The, and then, Oh my God. And then what, what do you call it? The, uh, X, X, <laughs> oh, uh, uh Ex, deus ex machina De, yeah with this fucking cigarette mm-hmm. yeah i this, didn't even like the house is just on fire i was like i don't even remember how it not happened. only is the house on fire the fire spreads the slowest most convenient way for the characters possible yes like it never it never really touches the stairs it never really goes into the bedroom until you know uh you, the old lady's ready to die and she's like just go save the boy and She's like, no, I'm not giving up on you. <laughs> and then the old lady's like, it's too late for me. Blah. And then, you know, fire engulfs her. And then she goes downstairs. Dude who's laying on the ground where the fire originated is still completely untouched by the fire. Yep. Like, no burns or anything. Nope. Like, he's Just not good. harmed other than, like, a stab wound to the stomach, which probably should have killed him by then. Yep. Because they were crawling up that stairs for, like, 15 minutes. And then they get saved at the end and everything's all good and you know really no consequences to like thomas and mckenzie's actions like she almost killed a gal (laughs) down an apartment building and then it's just like wow you found her like you know like and then she's like oh she impressed everybody at the fashion show yep hey you're getting a raise and then her she sees her mom in the mirror and her mom's like fist bump daughter and then boom (laughs) and then she sees anya taylor joy one more time in the mirror and then that's the end of that so the yeah. So the question, I guess, and I didn't think 
I saw the on the Taylor Joy thing with the smile, and I was like, all right. I mean, is it a little bit of I'm always gonna live in your mind? Like I will always be here. Was it I've helped yet? You know, you say like that. This is what drove me nuts. I'm not sure what that was supposed to mean because I'm not sure what Edgar Wright wanted us to take away from this. Like I thought it was like, hey, like rich white guys, you know, will do anything to fucking. And then it just turned out, no, we're supposed to save them and and you know, release them from purgatory. Mm-hmm. Like, even if, you know, we did all these terrible things, like, we still should be allowed into heaven. <laughs> right. Like, help us. Yeah. I'm <laughs> just staring. I'm like, oh, my God. Why did you pick that act? Why couldn't it have been, like, drug dealers or something? Pick something where, or something where we shouldn't even say that, where, we're, where we would sympathize with the people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that they were trying to help Sandy. And they, he wanted us to, like... He wanted to subvert our expectations in that, oh, we, th- we thought all the guys using her were scummy, but it turns out they need help or whatever at the end. It's like, but that's such a dumb way of going about it. It was, uh, I, I was like, this thing got like workshopped and he got thrust into making this thing. Like, I don't think he wanted to do this. Well, it definitely doesn't feel like he was as passionate about it as like his other films. And then it gets a whole bunch of praise from people. Like you go on this, like one thing was like, this is a, this is a feminist movement movie. Mm, no, I, I just think it's a, it's a subpar film. Yeah. Like I don't think it's bad. Like I don't hate it at all. Like I, there's actually a lot of elements that I like about it. Really? Well, I like the acting. I think the cinematography is very unique like a lot of the visual stuff going on. I like beside from the zombies, I thought they were stupid. Um, you know, I think a lot of the ideas and the concepts were really interesting and cool. And I liked the first half of it, honestly, like I liked how the first half of it was. I I thought the music in the first half was very strong. I think towards the end, it sort of got more and more weak, especially when the fire's going on and it's got the swelling music happening. But I'm trying to think of one that's just went down to shit. (laughs) Because, like, I, I don't... I, I thought it would have been way more interesting. I mean, it would have probably been predictable, but I would have been way more interested had it been her mom mm. that she was, you know... Because the mom really doesn't do anything in this thing. I don't know why the mom's even... No, she's not really important to the story. She's just there to serve the fact that, like, oh, Thomas and Mackenzie's character is crazy. Like, that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. So, did you... Speaking of predictability, did you predict that the old lady was... Anya Taylor Joy, because the first time watching it, I saw it coming. Oh, a you mile did. Away. Mm-hmm. No, I when we were doing it, I didn't really, I didn't know what to expect. I thought, I thought this was going to be a movie about Anna Taylor Joy, uh, in the '60s, like uh, rising or doing, like doing some important things, and ended up being like killed and kind of like uh, um, 1960s whodunit. What do you call those unsolved mysteries? Mm-hmm. You know, and that we would have got more as we go along. Events of her death would have leaked to Thomas and Mackenzie, who's only available to see, like almost like a uh, black phone. Yeah, you know, I was kind of thinking that, that might be the element, or that might be kind of what what, what he was going for is that we're going to go through and we get to see more and more of this life, and the further that she gets into the fashion industry, the more that she thinks about getting out, just because she sees what. It can do mm. you know and uh yeah I, I didn't i honestly i was like oh i really hope it's the mom i was like i really hope that anna taylor joy is her mom and that she's gonna uh, avenge you know get retribution for her mom's untimely death committing suicide mm. which easily could have been uh 
you know, pushed out of a window so everyone thinks she's jumped, but really Jack killed her because she fought him off and said, I'm not doing this anymore, mm. you know, but um, no, no, that's where my mind was going the whole time. I was like, oh man, like what's going on? And then when the guy got hit by the car, I called that coming. Mm-hmm. He was in the thing. That was so dumb. I hated that so much. <laughs> I, like he comes in there and he's like trying to help her and she's doing the, no, it's you, it's you, you're him, you're him. Uh-huh. You know, and I was like, he's going to help her and then he's going to get killed or something's going to happen. And then it's just going to be, that was the only person that could have helped and she's going to realize it. And then it happened. And I just looked at you and I'm like, like this fucking movie, mm-hmm. you know? And then I was like, well, I don't. And then when the, when she started talking, I was like, oh, okay. That's why there's no men allowed in that apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of, um, I do think that there's a decent amount of detail with like some foreshadowing stuff. Like I never noticed it before, but in the beginning when she's talking to her grandma in her room and her grandma's telling her like, oh, I'm afraid of, uh, of you in London. Just be sure to stay safe. And Thomas and Mackenzie like goes up to her kind of pretending to be a ghost, holds her arms up and goes like, I can defend myself. And she's holding a pair of scissors in her hand as she's doing that. Oh, wow. So it kind of foreshadows like the, yeah, almost face stabbing that happens in the library scene yeah there's a lot of um people almost getting hit by cars in this movie so it sort of foreshadows what happens to that old man mm-hmm. which i would have liked better if that scene wasn't so stupid um enforced <laughs> but oh really yeah <laughs> there's also some uh there's also some fire i think foreshadowing but i forget exactly what like it was or like when it happened you're watching it yeah but i forget the exact scene that it was in um i think it might have been like during her conversation with her roommate when she first meets her or something i'm not oh, entirely there's sure there's like there's something that's going on she's like put that out you don't mm-hmm. want to have a yeah and then of course like the name stuff like jacosta she crosses her last name out because she's like I just feel it makes more of a statement. And then like, there's the whole situation with Sandy and her name and all the names she goes by, you know, Mm -hmm. Alexandria, Alex, Lexi, like all these different things. Yeah. A lot of different like name play going on. Of course with Ellie too, like Ellie, Eloise, L, you know, Mm -hmm. just all these different things. So I liked a lot of like the details that he put in. I feel like Edgar Wright usually tries to be pretty detailed about most of his films. Mm -hmm. It's just that this one, I definitely felt was the weakest one for sure yeah i mean i i yeah i don't i will hold it against him i don't give a shit i i was listening to another podcast that was talking about this movie and they said something that i think makes a lot of sense in that most edgar wright movies it feels like he's sort of parodying the type of movie that he's making while also making a decent movie out of that genre you know how hot fuzz is like it's a trope on buddy cop movies, movies, but he's still making a good buddy cop movie. Yeah. Um, it feels like that element is missing a lot in this movie because it doesn't feel like it's it, it's like touching on anything deeper than that. It's just trying to be I mean, he, a psychological thriller. When, he really, I will say this, if he did try to parody, parody it, I can kind of see it by making it this way, mm. kind of predictable. Like that scene with that you're saying it was so forced and predictable. Mm-hmm. Like he might have if he if we ran into him, he was like, "Oh, I I did it that way intentionally because that's how it always happens." Yeah, you know, I would be like, "Oh, okay," like, but you just didn't do a good job, or like <laughs> we're so invested that you're actually you know that we missed it because it's not there's no really humor involved in this thing. Mm-hmm. So I could see it, and if he did intentionally do it, I could see it being like a big you know. 
That's but, a big swing and a miss. That's another thing, too, is that normally Edgar Wright's really funny with his movies. Mm-hmm. Like, normally his films are packed with humor, and this one just wasn't really. Like, there's a lot of awkward moments that you could laugh at being uncomfortable, but, you know, Hot Fuzz, his Cornetto trilogy, like Scott Pilgrim, Baby Driver, like, those are all jam-packed with, like, comedic moments. Yeah. Baby Driver's a little more serious than his other stuff, but it's still, like, I would say half of a comedy. Right. I mean, there's so there's elements. Of, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, elements of humor in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this one, I feel like, is just missing that core part of, like, what makes a lot of Edgar Wright movies special. Dude, At least I to me. He, I mean, I, he had it going for me for a decent amount of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got, I was really, I mean, as soon as he's, Jack starts walking her through the hallway and she's, she's seeing all these girls, you know. Being used. Oh, my God. Just getting into drugs, dying, being you, all that stuff. I was like, yeah, you mm-hmm. know. But then that's when it stopped. I think they should have, they should have, at least to me, like drawn it out a little more. I feel like that reveal of everything being shitty and these girls being used is really quick. Like, I think that yeah. if they had drawn it out a little more, we could have been a little more invested in what was going on because it happened so quick that by the time we get to the end, it's like, all right, it feels like they're beating us over the head with this concept, you know? Yeah, all, the whole thing was, I mean, they kept, they did the name thing scene two or three times mm-hmm. when she switched up names. Yeah. She's, for some reason, in love with Jack. She looks at Jack just really pissed off all the time, and I, I don't. I guess I'm so not used to it because it's like if you don't like what you're doing, like can't you just get in a car and go? Like they were never like, oh, she's handcuffed. I mean, it's like what was keeping her around. I, I thought that they were using like I think, her affection for Jack. I think it was. I think it was two different things. I think it was uh, the promise that she would eventually get to something better, be able to sing and do what she actually wants to do, and the fact that I think it's implied that she's under. A, a, like it, the influence of drugs and alcohol like i think that has a lot to do with what was going on there like just some sort of psychological you know abuse like manipulation stuff mm-hmm. going on so that that's i mean i get i'm just saying it just felt cartoony how to do it oh yeah it definitely beat you over the head with it i mean that's it's, for sure. it's reminded me of the scene in taken when when he gets in there and he sees like the sex trafficking and mm-hmm. what they do to the girls and it's like it's almost yeah. It's almost like mustache twirling in a way, like kind of like very villainy over the top. Like yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's not. It's like not really gritty or down to earth or like what really happens. Like Taken was way more. Taken was more visual or visceral or however you want to say it than this. Yeah. Like in that see in that in that regard, this mm-hmm. one was a quick. You just see her like what you're getting into. Yeah. And then it's like just kind of assume that, you know, you're gonna be in this vice script now for. Mm-hmm. And that's what we see. And instead of being, so instead of running away, she starts, there's another thing. So instead of running away, she just starts killing him. Yep. And then she just becomes a serial killer of all these men and then puts them in the floorboards and like. How about, you know, what would have been nice too? Like you get to London and they go, hey, have you ever heard of the, you know, the, the story of. Like, I don't know if they did that. Sandy the Slasher. Well, I mean, you don't know what, you know, whatever you want to call it. Like, you know, have you ever heard it? Like, if you do this. And then it's like, oh, okay. Because we're not, we might know. It would have made it a little more of a horror movie. It, and we would have, there would have been a lot more intrigue with like, all right, who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. You know, like, all right, because you don't really know. I mean, it's not till the end and there would be no reveal until the end. And there would have been the ghosts or the zombies, you know, that are moving around so you're kind of wondering well how who did that to him mm-hmm. you know yeah 
the zo- I hated the zombies so much. They took me out of it <laughs> so many times. Like okay. I watched it the first time, and I was like, "That's an interesting choice." And watching it the second time, it just solidified how much I don't like them. I don't. Mm-hmm. I didn't so, get it. I didn't so get what? It. What would you say you liked about it? Because you know you have a. I, I feel like I have a more positive outlook on this movie. I I, the acting to me was all right. All of it, all of it seemed it all seemed pretty uh, cookie cutter, if you will. Like this film really seemed polished and wrapped up and too nicely done. Mm-hmm. And to be a psychological thriller, there wasn't any real edginess around it. Like you've got the edginess no. that you could have had with what she sees, and we get a little bit of it, mm-hmm. but not a whole lot. Uh, the murders, it really just kind of bats you over the head with that at the very end of it. Even if she has schizophrenia, I think the only time you're really thinking that she might do something that she regrets is stabbing that chick with the scissors, which nothing comes from that. No. Literally, the chick runs out screaming, she tried to kill me, and then the cops don't even like... There's nothing that happens. No, and she like she goes to the cops earlier in the movie, and yeah. it's, like the cops know that she has like this mental thing going on. And so they just don't do anything, I guess, when this girl screams Nothing. That she almost killed her. <laughs> Nothing. So it's that's the problem that I have with it. It's like it's too nice. It's just there's there's so much stuff happening. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she's having these visions that's starting to twirl into the real world without any real explanation besides us as audience members maybe going, it's a schizophrenia. But at that point, like... If it's unreliable, then she should be not on the right track at all and either luck into finding out Sandy did it or there's got to be a better explanation about how she came to that rationale. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing. And it's really just I (laughs) watching it, I kind of felt like he was in London taking kind of a cool like fashion design world and like let's make it mysterious. Mm -hmm. And that was it. And and. And then I, I was like, oh, man, you know, rich old white guy's getting it. Fucking awesome. Like, take, <laughs> like, great. Like, they did all that dumb shit. Men of power that abuse it. Like, fuck them, you mm. know? Yeah. And like, then you get to the end, and then it's like, help yeah, us. Yeah, I, I, that was so, I hated that. That was so stupid. And I'm like, there goes all the edginess that we had. Yeah, there goes all the, like, support, I guess, that Thomas and Mackenzie would have had for this character. But, I mean, she still has that support. So, why even throw that in the movie at all? Like... And it's not like they helped her get the phone or anything. It's like they just were there one last time as like a, hey, have a different point of view on us being in this movie. Yeah. (laughs) Not only that, it's like he sets it up like they're trying to kill her. And then it's like, help us. And I'm like, I hate that. I hate when directors do that shit. (laughs) It's so stupid. Of like, like, they literally like grab her, tie her to the bed. Like, they're all like clamoring over here. I'm like, oh, she's about to get raped. You know, mm-hmm. like, this is like getting like really dark. And then the guy who like takes off his mask and Scooby Doo and's like, hey, really? Like, we're all fucked up. Like, can you please stop her? <laughs> and it, like, what are you doing then? Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Like, they should all just be in the, like, if she's sitting down, they should all just be in the room, like, sitting there. Like, but he had to make it creepy. And he's playing it, dude. It, we, I got done with the thing. I was like, I can't believe I just watched this shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of what I liked. Um, you said that it's like some of the acting you liked. Jack Jack was all right. I mean, Anna Taylor Joy's a joy, you know. Um, Quite but, literally. <laughs> I like Thomas and McKenzie a lot. I, I liked her as the main character. She did. I mean, it. you know, for me with these films, the reason why it's hard for me to grade anything because it's like, okay, you're going to be two-dimensional. 
Mm-hmm. You're gonna be like, I don't. Did she grow at all out of this? Was there any like she rediscovered well, her character? Her character really didn't grow much, but I'm just saying her acting I thought was good. Right, but I mean like it's it's being scared, and I you can be bad at being scared, but I'm never like I have a number one movie that I've watched of someone acting scared that I was like they did a really great job. Mm-hmm. Like fear being being afraid of something, either you you do a good job or you don't. You know, there's not like a you know, a dramatic role that you just knock out of the park, mm-hmm. you know? So like, I, I, I think she was fine. I didn't like, in terms of her emotions and how she was, you know, portraying things, I never was like, man, she's like doing way better. I don't think she carried the film at all. I mean, more of it, if you think about it, more of the film is you're, when you're watching it is you trying to figure out as an audience member, what's going on as opposed to what's going on with her. Yeah, no, it's not really a character movie. It's more of just like a situation movie. Like what, What's happening in the setting to yeah. these characters? You know, the characters yeah. are there to have things happen to them, not to really be characters, which right. is definitely like a weak part of it. That's you know? what I'm saying. That's why I was like, I mean, just the a little bit that you get. And I, I like the 1960s London, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that was I, I thought that was cool. I mean, it was I was really more intrigued with where they were going to go with it. That's why I was that's what that's what had the hook for me. Mm-hmm. You know, as they say, across the pond. Across the pond. Um, so, and then when they kind of, they started getting into like the, here's what happened. Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now. <laughs> Lay it on. I was good until the end. Like, I was really like, all right. That's how I feel. Like, I was good till the end. Like, mm-hmm. but the problem that because the ending fucked it up so bad. It makes you like retroactively look back and be like. The whole movie at, <laughs> up to that point sucks Mm -hmm. it i'm like you could have said anything and gave that ending Mm -hmm. so why do i have to value what i just watched if anything could have been substituted there aren't like really any points that should have that led to that that say this is what should have happened Mm -hmm. if i can substitute all this out i'm gonna run in my head and be like what could have i done to get to that point you know so I just, I, I never, now, kind of having said all that aloud, it plays a little bit more into the schizophrenia aspect of it, but there wasn't enough of it for me to be like, I would have liked him, if, if that's what he was going for, played a, a little bit more into it. Mm-hmm. There could have been more things that happened, even outside of the, the visions of the ghost, that led us to believe that she was schizophrenic. Yeah. You know, very easy stuff too. You have the mom in there, she doesn't do anything besides a, and I'm like, even then, when I saw it, I was like, oh, she just misses her mom. And we're, the mom's going to be a character of some sort because, you know, it's it's a support. And the, the fact that she loves her mom and the mom's always there for her, maybe the mom's what's helping her achieve some of the status. You know, it's like when Jordan, you know, was playing basketball. You get into that, that the mindfulness of the moment. Mm-hmm. And it helps you, um, you know, uh, uh, it helps with your performance. You're able to slow everything down. And sometimes people will sing songs. Sometimes, for me, I was like, "Oh, and she wants to design." Her mom steps in and helps her out. Mm. So I don't know. I mean, I it, you know, and then because the ending was just shit, it's like, why? The uh, you listening to you describe it that way, it made me think of a movie that is a lot like this, but in my opinion, a lot better. Saint Maud. Oh, it's yeah. a lot of similar concepts. Like female lead character has mm-hmm. a mental illness that deteriorates the longer the movie goes on it's got a lot of horror elements to it but i think saint maude works so much better as like a character movie as a horror movie i think that 
It is the better version of Last Night in Soho. Oh my god, yes. No, this movie was just and I like you talking about Edgar Wright, and I think he probably there are probably if I were to watch it again, things with the foreshadowing or maybe mm-hmm. uh, some metaphors he's going for, maybe we really kind of see why he chose to have it this way mm. with the guys. But I mean that the the fact, I mean, dude, and I called the the poison in the tea. I mean, she sits down and she's like, "Can I get you a cup of coffee?" I was like, "There's poison in that. She's gonna die." You know, I was like, "This is." <laughs> yeah. We got to that point. I missed a cigarette, but apparently she set it on a piece of wood that caught, and yep. I was like, "She threw it in a stack of albums, and uh, <laughs> the one album that was in the front said let 'Let's get dusty' or something like that." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. They're like, hey, uh, Sandy, how many times do you do that uh, normally? Or is it just this one instance that you're gonna light up and you're just throwing it? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, just for no reason. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of predictability in this movie. A hundred. Yeah. It sucks. It's just. It's why it's. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate. And then some of the so, and I think I might be just frustrated because some of the predictability that I was giving. I was giving it a little bit too much more credit at points than I think I should have. Gotcha. Like, that's why I say it's pretty cookie cutter, because, like, I'm a little bit of an abstract thinker when I watch films. Like, I kind of go into, one, what would I do? Two, like, what kind of makes, what would make this creepy? Mm-hmm. And and usually I undersell it because I'm sitting here talking into a podcast and that guy's making millions of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, but this one, like... I felt like I was way over the top on what should have happened. Mm-hmm. And he just went with like, pulled out a fucking playbook of how to make a psychological thriller and just got it on the tape. Yeah. It definitely feels that way at a lot of points. Um, we can wrap this up. Uh, yeah. Would you rate this? Uh, unfortunately, so I teetered. I, I opened up IMDb and I just hit one in the middle. I gave it a six and I sat there and stared at it and I was like, this doesn't feel right. So I bumped it down to a five. And I think that's just where I'm going to leave it at because I doubt I'll ever see this again. I don't really, there's, if you could, if you have any value that you think this would help someone as a movie lover, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of any, go ahead. I think technically this movie is pretty competent. I think that visually in terms of like the camera work, the cinematography, I think it's really well done. I liked Mm it. I, I liked a lot that, of the yeah. the acting behind the characters. Um, I liked the the general ideas and the concepts that they were bringing forward, which I think is why I like the first half quite a bit because it's just nothing but ideas and concepts. It's a lot of like, oh, where is this movie going? Like, what's the mystery behind it? Where is it all leading to? Mm-hmm. Um, but then, like you said, once you get to the ending, once you get to like that third act, it all just kind of falls off a shelf and it's really weak compared to what we got in the first two acts. I think that he just kind of dropped the ball in terms of the ending. I mean, if you think, I was just saying that if you think about psychological thrillers, Mm -hmm. all of them, when they get to that third act are all going to be, I mean, for the most part, like different. Yeah. But it it just depends on like what that reveal is. That's what I'm saying. So that's what separates these films is that the third act, some of you can have a good film and have a bad third act. Yes. You know, like you can drop the ball on it and still be good, but it just depends because I think the difference is the first two acts in all of these films are always there's elements that are of the same ilk, Mm -hmm. but they're always presenting different things and it gets you as an audience member trying to figure it out. And then you really got to fucking pull the cloth off the table if you want to get it. But Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, I think overall as a film, I enjoyed it, but I'm never going to watch it again. Yeah. I don't think I ever need to see it again. If I want to watch an Edgar Wright movie, I'll just put on any other, other of his films that I've seen except for this one. Yeah. Um, I think I give this a seven out of 10 is closer to a six than an eight yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think I, I enjoyed this overall. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at. That's where we'll be. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, put a, a put a five put for you, a seven for me. <laughs> Dude, it's just so dumb. <laughs> like it's I, very dumb, especially towards the end. Like, oh. I think it drops the ball so hard. It does. Mm-hmm. Now I'm thinking about it, too. I think there's only like they were on five different sets, too. Like, it wasn't. Yeah, he the, didn't really go out of his way to do much of anything. It was stylish, it was, and the cinematography was good. And I think it was. Uh, I mean, there was yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, cinematography, there's a there's a lot of cinematography for sure in uh, in Nicholas Winding Refn's The Neon Demon, which is what I recommended. Yeah, Hallelujah. I, Let's uh, go some more uh, <laughs> NWR productions, huh? Yeah. So uh, I picked this movie because uh, we're over a year of doing this podcast, and I, you know, kind of like a anniversary in a way. I wanted to talk about another Nicholas Winding Refn film, kind of like we did the first episode. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on this since you hadn't seen it before. So uh, the Neon Demon is a 2016. A psychological horror film directed by Nicholas Winding Refn stars Elle Fanning, Carl Glusman, Jenna Malone, um, and it's got Keanu Reeves in it for a little Hank. bit. Yeah, Hank. <laughs> uh, <laughs> room 214. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and is about this young girl who's uh, a month over 16 who goes to L.A., uh, doesn't have her parents around anymore. She doesn't exactly explain why. And she enters the world of uh, modeling. Mm-hmm. And um, she is sort of a, a force in that she has a lot of these people who envy her looks and envy the way that she walks and envy who she is. And as the movie progresses, she starts to kind of recognize that sort of perception of herself and other people. And so her ego sort of begins to adjust to that accordingly. And a lot of it is painted over this Nicholas winding ref style of writing style of cinematography uh. style of how the characters act. And we'll get into that for sure. Of course. In our discussion. Yes. Um, so before you had watched this, you were kind of talking to me about it and you said that you thought it would be more of like, more closer to too old to die young Refn than only God forgives Refn. Now that you've watched the movie, how do you feel about that? I, well, no, a hundred percent. I think this was uh, he's 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 got a very unique style of directing, and I think he places way more emphasis on himself and what he's doing with the camera and the music and taking like us as audience members and like. The you know the visuals symbolism all that stuff, then he does with the characters. Mm-hmm. You know I think he really just sucks out any emotion that any character is supposed to have, 
and and you'll you'll get it through the scenes in which they're feeling or what's going on with their minds as opposed to them explaining or doing yes um so that that i definitely feel like that is closer to i mean i i i went dry i like the way i think about it, i mean only god forgives was like him going into that world because drive i mean drive is somewhat of the same ilk but the the scripting and the dialogue is much faster pace. Well, it and, was also not written by Reffin. Right. Like Only God Forgives, Neon Demon, Tool the Dying, all written by Nicholas Wine right. and Reffin. So, uh, yeah. No, this one, it was way closer to Tool to Die Young. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah. So that's what I would say. And I don't know. Are you in the same boat, too? Or do you think it's... Yeah, no. It's definitely <laughs> it's definitely Tool to Die Young Reffin in terms of, like, the way that the characters interact with each other. Yes. I will say, I do feel as though this movie is a little bit better about it because, Oh yeah, no, there's, there are for the most part, there's times where there's dialogues a little bit more snappy. Yes. It's, it, it feels a little more natural. It feels 100%. a little more how like human beings kind of speak to each other almost. Yeah. Um, they're just not vessels. Yeah. They're not just like, Oh, these are these are props that yeah. sort of talk to each other in yeah. a movie, kind of like how <laughs> Refn had an Only God Forgives and Too Old to Die Young in so many points. Yeah, um, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm curious as to your thoughts because I definitely have have mine. Like, I want to know, like, top level, what you thought of this movie. I liked it. Yeah, I like this. I um, the the synth. The hit the music score like his score was like phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Once again, he's got two songs in it. Uh, I think there's like a song right at the beginning and a song right at the end, and then he's got this. I think one of his songs that he came up with, or whatever, is called like the Demon Dance. Mm. Um, Says Cliff Martinez did the music. Did it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, he must. He was with. He had to bend with the guy saying, "This is what I want." But right. Um, dude, this dude with the lighting and his cinematography is so fucking good. It's like it's visually is, probably one of the best movies I've seen. Oh, dude. I mean, the lighting alone. There's a scene where she's on before the cougar shows up mm-hmm. and she's talking to um, uh, Dean. Yeah. And they're kind of going, you know, they're going over and he just had the. It was so striking because he just left the street light on. Mm-hmm. Like he had the, you know, but that that's what he was using for the lighting of the scene, mm-hmm. which you there's contrasted at the beginning of it. He's got two lamps, one laying down, one up, obviously for the shot that they're trying to get. But then he's got the outline in red and then he's zooming out. So, I mean, he manufactures lighting, but he also uses natural lighting. And it's just like this dude is He's got it. Like, if he could just fucking relate to people. I know. I like, know, right? I love him so much as a visual director. Oh, my God. So he's, much. He's so good with, like, the lighting and the cinematography and, like, the music, like, the style. Nicholas Winding Refn has a perfect style that I absolutely love well, and adore. Well, if it's the Neon Crew. I mean, this is synthy, synth synthwave music and freaking neon you know, lights yeah just the vibe the 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 vibrancy of the lights you know and then you get into some of the the, the, the darker, darker hues with it i mean it was but it's still colorful like yes. there's a very vibrant aspect to it like the reds and the blues and the purples and the mm-hmm. pinks like all this stuff going on in terms of like the color use in this movie yes so good like I it think that un- it's the best in terms of like visuals. The and makeup that he has on some of these, on some of the gals in this. I mean, mm-hmm. just the costume, the wardrobe involved. I know. I mean, like, really, I, I'm 
we, you know, Jasmine fell asleep, but I watched it <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, this is like, I mean, it, it, I think I took, so I had to look it up after like I was done. I was like, I wonder what, how far off I am with what I thought. I thought this was a movie about female exploitation mm. and females and using it, the modeling industry as a way to show how females in society are viewed and looked at. And the easiest way to do it is with modeling. Because we we judge a girl on her looks simply when she's on the cover of something as opposed to who that person is. Yeah. And I never, the one thing that I actually was happy about, because I mean, I'm still sticking with what I thought it was. I read a couple of, you know, Predator and Prey and all that stuff. I still think, I mean, there's themes of it, but I definitely think like if you were to just break us down as male and female, like, and you were to hunt, you're probably targeting a female over a male. Mm-hmm. You know, I so, definitely got like a lot of the predator allegory stuff that they were going for, mm-hmm. like with obviously like the cougar that breaks into her room, and then of course Keanu Reeves's character is yes. just a predator. Um, you yeah. could argue that a lot of the modeling agency people are predators, and that they use these girls purely for their looks. Mm-hmm. There's the one guy who says beauty isn't everything; it's the only thing. Yep. You know, and also probably my. F- Second favorite character, favorite character. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get much screen time at all. Not at all, but I, <laughs> dude, I I recognized him from he's in Face Off. Oh, really? Yeah, he was uh, uh, Jet like Paul. I can't remember the guy's name. It was, anyways, yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I liked him as a character. He I felt I, he felt like a character. <laughs> he did, and that's what I really liked. I mean, I dude, the acting in this thing is like really good. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was good. I mean, it's definitely like Nicholas Winding Refn kind of dialogue and right. script and in terms of like direction. But um, I mean, Keanu comes in, Keanu killed it. Yeah. I mean, he made, he he, made you think. He, and plays, he, he plays an absolute asshole. It's like the plays, most asshole role that he's ever played. I would say motel manager, sleazy motel manager about as best as you can. Yeah. <laughs> and the best thing is like he blames her for the cougar getting in. Mm-hmm. And then he's like getting up Dean like about fucking like, you know, like, oh, like real hard candy you got there, you know. And I was like, I didn't realize it was that was like a, um, a saying for kind of like child, you know, yeah. child, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. We and, don't have to uh, get too detailed about right. it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, so I was like, oh, my God. And he's like, I got a girl on 214. Huh? She's only 13. 13 year from, old runaway. Yeah. Sandusky, Ohio. Here she is trying to start new. What do you think about that? You mm-hmm. know, and uh, and then he's like, all right, all right, all right, I'll pay you. I'll pay you the money. And he's like, good, good. hundred dollars. And I was like dying. He goes, door plus labor, 100 bucks. And I was like, how fucking hard up are these people? <laughs> and then he's like, or was it 200? I got 140. Like, Sold. We, let's have a deal. Yep. <laughs> or like, we have a deal or whatever he says. Yeah. And uh, there's so a I, reason I have my Keanu shirt on. Right oh, now. yeah. You mm-hmm. have to. I he, have to. And Anytime I, thought, I watch a Keanu movie. I thought he was going to be like one of the, I thought he was going to be uh, Jack, the first uh, photographer, mm-hmm. you know, when. Yeah. Um, when you saw his name pop up well i knew keanu was in this one Mm -hmm. and i really didn't know i thought this was gonna be um l fanning like my my thing was oh oh, l fanning's gonna get into this she's gonna be like rise the ranks and she's gonna kill someone or jealous lover's gonna kill her like that and i thought keanu was gonna be the jealous lover Mm. that watched her climb and you know can't have it and she's it's like almost like a star is born you know but like and you know she kind of like out of nowhere just boom you know here you are and he's he couldn't have it or she killed him because he was green with envy and and she's completely alpha out at that point mm-hmm. you know hit the uh 
yeah hit the t- hit the top rung you know yeah and uh not at all no and also in that keanu that part i was like oh i like like fantastic mm. and then jack was from dexter uh you know and he did he was such a great dude i, I just i liked all the characters like he comes out there and he's got his like he's all black and he's mm. just staring you yep. know and he goes i think in terms of what nicholas winding refn wanted i think he got exactly that out of the actors like i think i mean you don't have to you know if you don't i i yes no i agree mm -hmm. i should say it like that yes i think they fit into what he was doing with this film Mm -hmm. i mean that's but that's that's the merit that i have to hold it with is like what he like as far as like the mark that he wanted to make i don't think he missed any of it like i think that he want he made the film that he absolutely wanted to like unlike unlike edgar wright maybe um dude that poor guy i think uh in terms of like where I I had like where the story went, I don't think I was as big of a fan. Like I think that really? I think a lot of like the movie, I liked the first seventy five percent of it quite a bit. Like the whole aspect of her getting this bigger ego about herself, like kind of have this like big head about like her looks and like her place in like the modeling world and how she's just like stepping on all these toes and like stepping on all these girls to like get where she needs to go like kind of becoming more of like a a force in that world yeah kind of like what you said like you thought maybe she would like kill somebody Mm -hmm. like i thought that's kind of where it was going like oh she's gonna get to a point that's absolutely no return for her yes and you know that kind of does that scene happens where like he she hears keanu reeves like breaking into the next room yeah and she goes to her friend's house jenna malone's house and so no one knows if it's keanu though Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that I, I thought. That's why I took it as female exploitation because all she does is say he, he, mm. and the, I think it was just a giant the metaphorical he. Yeah, you know, as in there's another there's another person, another girl. Because like a lot of the things that happen with the women, they're all, it's all different elements of how we take advantage of women, mm-hmm. and that's another one of them is you know breaking in and doing what i want to do to you absolutely and she she kept she said he i think he killed her i think and she's like who's he and they never she doesn't go hang she doesn't say so when she said that i was like oh man like that's kind of like a deep a deep drop i think Mm -hmm. and i think you know and it could have been keanu i don't know i mean yeah but then she goes over to jenna malone's house Mm -hmm. And then she kind of has like a moment of vulnerability. Like you kind of see like the older version of her character a little bit again. And then like towards the end, she's kind of like full blown, like, Oh, I'm, I'm the greatest in terms of like being a model. Like I'm the best. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be me. People would kill to be like a second rate version of me. Mm -hmm. And so I saw that as, okay, she's like really going off the deep end, maybe sort of like, with that visual component of like her on the diving board, you know, going off the deep end. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but then, as soon as they chase her and kill her, I think I, I, I just like my enjoyment of the movie just kind of dropped. It's a weird. Like I did not really like that much at all. Like I, I, I felt like Nicholas Winding Refn couldn't help himself in terms of like where he wanted the movie to go. It's like okay, you really, you really had to throw in like all this violence and like this sort of like weird cult aspect and like they eat her and well here's I, my, I just didn't like it very much like, like if you think about it there's another aspect of female exploitation and it's women taking advantage of women because mm-hmm. in terms of equality and fairness with where they're at you know um 
if you if you're not able to have someone that's ahead of you lift you up, you have to step over those in which you're competing with. Yeah, it's like a dog eat dog world. So I it's predator, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was cool with all that. I mean, it, I was like, oh, these. I mean, they're watching her, and and you know, it's playing into. So one of the before we get into, I mean, like one of the things that I like that I read was natural beauty can be described as purity innocence and naturalness Mm -hmm. which she had the whole time and then we see the transformation that she gets at the shoe in which Mm -hmm. you know they literally do like uh fucking her (laughs) ego breaking through and making out with herself yep um and then so that's when it starts to go downhill for her i think because now she's actually you know described herself as an alpha and when you're like that i mean if you're a lion in uh in the jungle and you're the top dog, you're going to have to protect yourself as if you're the top dog. So, like, mm-hmm. all of that stuff made sense to me and why he had it that way. Yeah. I guess the one that didn't was the cannibalism. Well, I tried to, like, what is, like, they thought they're drinking the blood of a unicorn or... I think it was, like, the concept of, like, oh, we're going to eat her so then we can be her. And, like, kind of right. get like that youthful blood of her because like there's that scene where she's yeah. in the bathroom with the other girl and she like steps back she puts her hand on broken glass she starts bleeding and then the other girl like starts licking it off and she's like what the fuck are you doing yep like it's it has a little bit more of a foreshadowing to it that i didn't notice the first time mm-hmm. that i noticed the second time which i did kind of appreciate but yeah still it did feel really I don't know, gratuitous to me in terms of like how Nicholas Winding Refn went about it. Cause like there's the whole scene with Jenna Malone like masturbating over the corpse. There's the whole scene where like she's there's just another... laying on the floor and like what is she like pissing blood or something in the moonlight? Like that whole. She killed scene. her. Like she, like it, I think from the, and this is, there was one I read on this that I really, I agreed with was uh, the female, the menstruation, the cycle, mm-hmm. cycling of the eggs, yeah. and cycling of the new models, cycling of a new person. It's the, um, you know, you only, you're only here till you're 21. Mm. So there's going to be like a new model. Every It's always going to just keep, you know, cycling, cycling, cycling. So I think that was more of a visual uh, of the actual kind of. You know, she her killing herself, and I think that's what she did. Mm. Either that, or she literally—I mean, it, or had just a menstruation right on the floor. I don't know if that much blood comes out. I don't really. <laughs> but I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, she peeing," and then I was like, "Oh, it's diarrhea," and then I was like, "Oh no, it's blood," and I was like, "Oh, I don't want to know how she got all that blood down there." <laughs> it was to me, it was just so gratuitous. I I really wasn't a fan of it, and then yeah, I just feel like I think I feel like he couldn't help himself in terms of like. Oh, this movie's going one way. I'm just gonna completely switch it another way, and then just have it be like this cult, like cannibal. I never got the cult vibe thing. from it because there's a reason why they're now. See, that's <clears throat> the thing though, because I was reading up. There was a lot of people that are talking about witches, and I'm like, I think this just is a giant metaphor. And one of the ones I read was, um, you know, washing your washing your hands of the blood of your enemy or something like that. It being some sort of, it's not necessarily ritualistic, but there's like, uh, there's an old, I don't know if, it's, you know, not a proverb, but like a saying. I think the reason I kind of lean towards that is because like all the tattoos that Jenna Malone has on her, like the way that she kind of looks, and then like her laying in the moonlight in the window had some kind of like culty vibe to it. 
Like, I don't know. To me, that felt like it was more of a cult thing than anything, but... I never got the gist of that. I mean, I that, that that's the difference, because I never picked up on that at all. The way yeah. I saw it was you had two girls, one that literally did every... She stripped herself of her beauty, and the other one that's on phasing out of the, her natural element... Mm. And that's why they were, they were, it was all just jealousy. And then obviously there's a sexual desire for uh, Ruby. I think that's Jenna Malone. Yeah. Yeah. Ruby with her fascination and, and the, the desire to have um, Jesse. Yeah. You know, so I, I, all, all three of them had motivation as to why they did what they did. And then you get to that point that you're talking about with what happened next. I'm like, I'm not. I just I'm kind of just bought into it just because at this point like why not mm. you know but I never I I don't know I never felt that way about it and I've read like people were talking about witches and I was like it never he never gave anything that would lead off to them being any like sort of any cult or anything like that I mean if mm-hmm. anything you could say it could be a cult of the fashion industry and the and the envy that you have for someone but. Yeah. All of their motivations were different as to why they wanted to enter. There was also her lane and like the patch of dirt, like kind of looked like a burial site almost in like the like the mm-hmm. garden area that seemed like a little witchy to me. She so. was just she was walking around naked. Mm-hmm. I mean the whole thing, I mean that like there was a cougar that just popped up in fucking East LA in Pasadena like there was just things that happened that were weren't really it was more fantastical and obviously not of this world yeah so i i never i don't know sometimes and with movies sometimes i never have to have like it has to be attached to something within the movie especially winding reference i don't think he necessarily he strips some of the the real world that we're in and puts in his own nuances that he wants mm-hmm. yeah and this is the world that we're gonna this is this will be this other universe that we're living in now so um yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying you don't, and obviously it's a thing because there was more than one person that wrote about it, and like witches, I mean, of a cult, like it's not to say it is witches because cults are what I kind of think of covens, you know? Yeah. So that's where I'm, I'm and it's funny because like when I read it, I, I didn't I didn't really see it, but hearing you talk about it, it's uh, interesting. Like mm-hmm. I didn't really, because I never got that vibe. It, it only cemented it for me after a second watch because like the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, this is like an interesting, like kind of almost culty thing. And then the second time I watched it today, like I watched it just See, a few hours ago, I was like, okay, this really cements it for me. I know. That's why I'm, and I don't really get, I don't get that vibe either. Cause they, all three of them have different interactions with her. And then the one time they are together, all three of them have different, uh, perceptions of what she's doing there. So mm-hmm. There's never a groupthink element on why, besides the fact that they all love her, her beauty. Yeah, I think and, I'm just like thinking of Jenna Malone's character specifically, more so. I mean, she, yeah, but that's why I mean, to me, she's unreliable because of what she did to that corpse. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't really like. I, she could have did anything after that, and You're like, right. I'm like, all right, I'm like, she's just kind of in her own little realm. Yeah. Could just be fucking crazy. Who knows? Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Well, all three of them. I mean, shit, dude. The Gigi was the one that I thought she's the one that ended up being like, I need to get her out of me. Uh huh. I was like, she's the most sane out of all three of these chicks. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, the other one had second helpings. Yeah. <laughs> out of it came out of one person. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, the only reason why she's probably doing this too is because she's seen the success that she had with what happened. Because mm-hmm. that Jack came back and was like. No, I want you. I want you. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like... Yeah, it's like clearly them eating her is like 
has actually like positively affected their modeling lives in some way. That yeah. while one, I mean, well, one out of three. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. No one knows what happened to Ruby. I think she she died. Like I think that that's she just she died. I think she just pissed on the floor. I it could have been. It never like it never showed that it was blood. I just thought it was a little too soupy to be pee. <laughs> you know. Yeah. That's right. why I was thinking it was diarrhea. Discharge it, of some kind. Yeah. <laughs> so he got kind of weird with it at the end there, uh, and I don't. I was like, I don't know if he's doing this for the element of horror, but I was like, I kind of vibe with it because this whole movie, these people have wanted to be her. Mm. So physically, what's the closest thing you could do? Eater. Yeah. I mean, that's and that's so it kind of made sense. I just thought that. I thought there was a little bit more of a metaphor involved with it, especially with them basking in the blood. Yeah. And then I, I did read that, you know, I mean, some there's there's some element of, of the blood of the enemy that you take or whatever that you if you, you know, bath in it, you, something happens. I don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely on a second watch, like it was a little more consistent, mm-hmm. the ending with like the rest of the movie. Yes. I still didn't like it in terms of like how I felt about the rest of it. It doesn't make it go down any smoother. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, I just, I don't know. To me, it was really gratuitous. And I thought that where the movie I thought was going, because I thought it was going to be like more about like Elle Fanny's character becoming more of a villain and like stepping on these people more and like kind of embracing her ego and like being the ultimate, like, Oh, I'm, I'm the bad guy of the movie. I mean, she really did. You know, I mean, she, she did just, until she nothing, got killed. Because <laughs> I don't know, and even if she did, she would have had to have killed them. And I don't. She was so narcissistic that she never, she didn't have an equal. Mm-hmm. So it's probably out of the realm of what could have possibly happened to her in life because of where she was at in her mental state. Right. You know, so I thought she was going to jump off the diving board, and then we we're going to have the movie go on from there. Yeah, I thought she was. I thought she was just going to go for it. Like the first time I watched it. Because she's kind of leaning forward, like, oh, is mm-hmm. she just gonna like fall over into the empty pool? <laughs> like a hundred percent. I did. I, I I was sitting there and I, again, I was like, all right, so she's gonna kill herself. I was like, and then what? What's Ruby gonna do? Like, we just had the weird scene. Obviously, these girls are gonna have to do something, you know. And I just, but I didn't. I couldn't think of what it would be. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't even know they fucking ate her until the scene with Jack. I mean, they're yeah. sitting there, and then you know. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that either until that happened the first time. Oh, okay. Because mm. like it's like they're just in blood, and it's like, oh, I mean, obviously they, you know, they they had her, they did whatever to her, they just slashed her up, you know, and mm-hmm. it's like, what'd you do when that girl, you know, stepped over you? I ate her. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Just the like, like girl asks her, <laughs> like really, when she says it to, I was like, oh my god, they did. Like that wasn't like a. I knew that whatever came out of her mouth that wasn't was like be a tongue and cheek. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like whatever she tells them that they did, she did. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, and I was like, no. <laughs> so I mean, that was yeah. I'm not opposed to like the idea of cannibalism. Of well, you know, <laughs> you know me, baby. <laughs> um, I'm not opposed to like the idea of that being the ending either. I just, to me, I wish it would have been like a little more in line with like how the rest of the movie was i mean dude it's winding ref like what do you i mean true come on dude like you're, you're <laughs> not <laughs> drive is probably the only semblance of an ending that we'll ever have of it actually getting wrapped up in <laughs> an appropriate way and yeah exactly like other than that like to me it didn't feel appropriate i think that's the right word for it is like it's hard to say what should have happened but yeah i'm with you because the 
there was a denouement, maybe, if you will. Or, I mean, the, the, the way that it ends, it should have ended after the death. And we really didn't need the last 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they, so in my head, I'm like, oh, they kill her. I'm cool with the ending. And that's, that's the fact, that's the, that's the life of a female. Mm. You know, that's in, in this kind of, in this industry, like, you know, kill or be killed. You have to. You can't trust anyone, and it's everything is always people grabbing at you and, and wanting to exploit you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would have been fine with that because you know everything around you and that in that medium or in that environment is tinkering with her. You know, mm-hmm. Hank, Dean, um, all the, the the photo shoots that she has Jack. to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jack. Um, the narcissism that she's kind of going through as being the top, you know, her 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 ego getting to her, maybe making her not as crisp as as you know what she should have been. Mm-hmm. So then you get to that scene with the girls, and there, it's probably. I mean, I kind of called it at the beginning, like when I first, I was like, "Oh, someone's gonna." It, I thought it was gonna be the one that actually the one that ends up eating the eyeball was the one I thought that was gonna just outright do it, mm-hmm. and I thought she was gonna do it out of envy. I didn't think all three of them would have done it, mm-hmm. um, but. Uh, all that stuff starts pulling at her, so when she ends up ultimately being going through her demise with the girls, and it's kind of the last ones that you might suspect, mm-hmm. you know, I was like, that would have been fine. I didn't need the whole, I'm going to stab myself in the stomach and watch it gut out, and then I'm going to see an eyeball pop up, eat that, and I'm so, I thought she was actually going to open up her stomach and start eating from out of her stomach. There's a, there is like a kind of foreshadowing that I just thought about that I did appreciate on a second watch. Yeah. They're in the bathroom in the beginning of the movie and they're talking to each other about lipstick yeah. and Jenna Malone's character goes, uh, if you have a lipstick, if you name a lipstick after yourself, you're either food or sex. Yep. Which one are you? Uh, uh, what well, well, her name was, uh, Gigi. No, the Al Fanning's character, Jesse, Jesse. Yeah. Which one are you, Jesse? And she, you know, doesn't really answer. And then like at the end of the movie, when she rejects Ruby's sexual advances, they eat her yeah you know, right afterwards so pretty much was, so she definitely wasn't sex she was food yeah so i do like that foreshadowing a little bit mm-hmm. um now that i think about it but it doesn't really change how i feel about the ending <laughs> it doesn't and i'm not going to sit here and defend the scene because i i thought the ending was one of the weaker parts of it and i mm-hmm. thought it was just wasn't needed but i still felt i will say this i thought it was a better ending than last night in soho a hundred percent like it definitely was, yeah, like you said. I think so. It was gratuitous and disgusting, and probably wasn't needed. But I think it still felt and was in line. It's more with, interesting. And what the movie was doing. I mean, if you're going, you know, pre- are you predator or prey, sex mm. or food? I mean, all those kind of easy notions that we're discussing here is, you know, uh, Darwinism. You know, kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. Like it, it gets to that point. I just don't know if we needed to eat her. Right. You know. But other than that, like it still was in line with with the el- the theme or the element that. Reffin had as opposed to last night in Soho that just didn't make any fucking sense and right. was lazy. Uh, ending aside, I do think there are also a lot of shots that are like way too long. Like yes, Reffin, Reffin kind of falls into that trap of like, oh, I'm just gonna keep the camera on this thing, slowly pan up as these two girls are taking a shower in blood, and mm-hmm. this music's gonna happen, and it's gonna cut back between like Jenna Malone and the girls in the, in the shower. Cut back, cut back, cut back, like. And then there's like also just a lot of different shots throughout the movie that are like that. And I think that after a while, it gets really old, he, especially on a second watch. Honestly, the first, I think when it starts to get drab 
is uh, after she goes through her transformation, which that if I had one nitpick, it's that mm-hmm. I and I guess I, I get it now. And because I'm a mouth breather sometimes <laughs> um, because the guy, the photo shoot, when they watched, he was trying to find the last model to go. See, mm-hmm. here's the thing. I don't know the modeling world. So I'm like, I guess I don't give a shit when you walk. Like there's like a thing of like, you know, oh, you want to be like with whatever you do, you want to be in this spot. That means you're the top dog. Like, like in, 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 you know, if you put your trombone, right, they have the first seat right is the best one mm-hmm. and they kind of label it that way so you know i've like i've never cared about that because it's like i i'll just do my best to get to that point and if i can't i'm obviously just where i'm at so i really don't give a shit it, who sits there it's just a spot like it shouldn't mm-hmm. really matter so when it came to the model walk i didn't really think about it but she was the last one to walk so mm-hmm. when her transformation hit when she was going through her like her ego just burst through the fucking wall. Yeah, quite you know, literally. Yeah. I was like, uh, okay, this doesn't really, I don't know why this is happening. Like, I don't know why this just, mm-hmm. you know, it really was no lead up to it. She wasn't ever, She ne- it never felt like she was challenging herself to remain humble mm-hmm. or to keep that beauty. Like, it, no. all of a sudden, it's just they, they got to the walk and it's like, boom, we're on. You know, you're gonna go from one set. You're gonna go, you know, zero to eighty. Mm-hmm. They they give her like a few lines to like kind of hint that that's where she's going with like in terms of like her ego and how she feels about herself. Because yeah. like when she's in that bathroom situation with um not Gigi but the other one, um Sarah. Yeah, Sarah, and she oh, she takes us the kind of the the subtle. It, yeah, it's like a very like. Hey, you're all right. You know, you still made it or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Don't say it. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't condescend me." Yeah, don't. Well, she says like, "Don't pretend that you don't know." You know, I think that's what she says to her right in the bathroom scene. It was something. I thought it was more of the lines of like, "Don't say that" or "Don't don't act like that." It wasn't. It wasn't. Don't act like that. She she was like, "Don't say that." Don't act, oh maybe she does say don't act like you don't know yeah I think that's I, what she says because I think she was like you're don't be coy with me you know that you know what's going on yeah you know what you did yeah and, well she didn't do anything she just well yeah but you know kind of that sense and like she she makes you know a comment what you're doing you're coming into this world and you haven't put in your dues and mm-hmm. you're yeah and she makes a comment that kind of like echoes what's gonna happen later like I forget what the exact comment was but it was something along the lines of like. I know I am or like something like that. Yeah. It's, so it kind of gives you like a little bit of hint. And then she has another similar line with Gigi when she's sitting in front of the mirrors with her and mm-hmm. talking to her. And Gigi says something like, uh, nobody likes how they look. And she says, I like how I look. And that kind of like gives you a little subtle hint of like where she's going towards. Yeah. But then, like you said, it's it's a very like sudden like it's a literal switch. It goes from like blue lighting to red lighting. Yeah, and she's very menacing looking after coming out of the red I, light. So when you talk about him holding scenes way too long, like that was one because all mm-hmm. of a sudden like they they walked out, and then they do now. That's that's what I like though with him. It's like he's it's so visual. Yes, and like dude, I'm like creatively now. It's kind of you know I don't want to. It's not trying to sound weird or anything, but like her, him showing us her becoming a like narcissist, 
with her kissing herself in the mirror, but you had the triangle mirror mm. and the music's pumping and she's just sitting there and she does the first one and it goes so like the first one is she's kind of like looking and all of a sudden she's getting into her head and it's like, all right, what's happening here? And then it goes from blue to red, right? And then it goes back there and she's like looking in a daze like she's just getting like this ultimate high of herself. Mm. And then they go in and then she walks, she's walking out and then you got the mirrors there and then she like, like looks at her and she's like staring she's like no you know you could tell she's like i don't know what's going on i don't think i like this you know and then all of a sudden she looks over at one side and kisses a mirror and it goes back to her and all of a sudden makeup on hair tied really tight back there's mm-hmm. no who sent like it went like fucking full-on confident and i was yeah. like if that's what it looks like to become like just like in a second you know if i became just narcissistic like i that's what i think that's how that looks Mm -hmm. you know and it's i think it's really creatively done because absolutely to to describe to fucking have a mental change of a mental change like that and not have it be something that is laid out to us as an audience member Mm -hmm. but described like fucking impressive uh, yeah no i do appreciate that about Refin is that he does show us more than he tells us he does mm-hmm. leave a lot of mystery for us to figure out and like kind of piece together like what it means mm-hmm. a lot of what this movie that i interpreted was like it is so visually gorgeous and it is so visually stunning and Refin knows that it's visually stunning and a lot of the themes of this movie as you know what the one character said beauty isn't everything it's the only thing mm-hmm. i think that he is kind of making this movie in a way that like, oh, it's beautiful. And like the only thing that people might appreciate about it is that it's beautiful. Kind of the same way how the only thing people might appreciate about these girls is that they're beautiful. Right. And that's kind of a little bit of what I got from it. Cause there's the whole angle of like, of Jesse talking about how she's not talented at anything. You know, she can't write, she can't sing, she can't paint, but she can make money off of her looks. And that's what she's going to do. And you think Whining Refn was like, I can't write a script, but I can definitely <laughs> fucking show a film. <laughs> Maybe not necessarily that, but I think that those points do kind of parallel each other in a way. Yeah. I think that there is definitely something there. I think, dude, I, I mean, I think I think he, when he writes, it is, uh, it's a deeper, deeper understanding of himself. Mm-hmm. And he gets it into, you know, creatively put it into a play to show us. Yeah. And I, I, I think... So I'm saying, I think only God forgives. He was in a really fucked up mental state, and then this one, I think he was a little bit more. I mean, like if you're if it if it's along those lines, you know, yeah, I think that he, he might have been describing. You know, this is how people. This is how I am interpreted or how I'm seen. Yeah, because like maybe because like only God forgives. He wrote that in like a moment of like personal turmoil. Maybe mm-hmm. like maybe the neon demon is like him self-reflecting as a director he might have went to like some therapy and was just like oh people only love me because i'm good with the camera work and i got <laughs> some synthy pops that i can throw in there mm-hmm. you know yeah I, and I don't i don't know i think there's I, the one thing nice about this movie is there's, there's a lot of takeaways and there's different um things that you can um just get out of it well i mean you know i i said it was female exploitation there's a lot of there's a lot of predator or prey themes i mean you could you could pull darwinism into it Mm -hmm. i thought the triangles for me symbolized more of the womb you know Mm -hmm. and it was more of a um kind of what what females you know how we i mean in the simplistic form you know for mating and uh procreation Mm -hmm. you know so like i i like this whole thing i was like man this is really like a 
Kind of like her going through a rebirth almost. Yes. And that's like when she walked out, when she was going through the, um, when she came out and she, before she got into the triangle. Yeah. The pyramid. Yeah. The pyramid. She walked out of a triangle. She walked out of a pyramid, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was like, oh, I think that might represent like a womb. Yeah. The rebirth, um, her discovering herself as being, you know, the, the alpha female, Mm. you know, so there's, and, and, and there's, I think there's just a million different things. Like you could make a theory that winding Refn went to therapy on this Mm -hmm. and he had to get something out about himself and maybe he doesn't see himself in the greatest of light. So that's why he made it into the, like the female story, Mm. you know, but uh, so I've got no idea. I mean, that's what I think makes it fun because there's also the Mm. cult ritualistic, um, you could probably go through with the very beginning scene after the bathroom and they go to the party and, and the strobe lights are pumping and, you know, they got the music going and there's a woman tied up in bondage that that was the initiation into the cult. And I was that she was being recruited into the cult. Mm-hmm. She didn't make it into the cult. And that's why they killed her and ate her at the very end of the film. You know, but there's so many different things that you could take. And that's there's why a lot I, of different ways to look at it. I, I, that's why I really like this. This was, that's why I like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. I was like, and this is, I think it's way, and I might have to watch only God forgives again. <laughs> but there's a lot more takeaway from this. And I thought the acting was really well done. And the characters were a little bit more fun. Like the Alejandro guy that did the, the fashion designer mm-hmm. was, I think my first or second favorite character in this thing, mm-hmm. you know, him just, uh, um one when he's got when when he notices jesse Mm. that was a great scene when he just like you know he's playing with his he's playing with a fucking handkerchief when the other chick walks and jesse comes up he makes eye contact and then he just kind of stops but then they get to the bar and he's going through and he's giving a spiel about beauty and you know Mm -hmm. um talking to dean yeah so uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I thought all of it, I, I just, I, the only, the only nitpick I had was probably the ending and even that felt in line with what was going on. It, dude, it reminds me of, um, and we're, we don't have to, nothing's given away or anything like that, but, um, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. I was sense. Mm-hmm. Like it was kind of gratuitous for me to that point where nothing really had happened. That was that gratuitous all of a sudden ramp it up like that. And yeah. then. For it to not make as much sense. I mean, it makes sense, obviously, but you know, to kind of have it strewn in there for what seems like no reason, mm-hmm. you know. But hey, it, it still felt in line with what was happening in that movie, as yeah. what, just like this one for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny because on Letterboxd, it, I, I scrolled through like a lot of the reviews that people have left, mm-hmm. uh, and. People either really fucking love this movie or they fucking hate it. Like, I could see that. I, I like back to back. I would see like five stars, uh, four and a half stars, five stars, one star, half star, two stars, five star. Like all these people, like it's so polarizing this movie. And to me, it's like I I enjoyed it overall. Like I like it. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely like it way more than Only God Forgives. I think it has a lot more going for it in terms of like what it wants to present to an audience you know yes than that film but you know i didn't absolutely love it but i didn't hate it either like i think it's a little more like Mm kind of just in between and i just think it's interesting how polarizing it is in terms of like how people feel about it because like i read a few of the reviews and people were saying like this is just absolute garbage it's misogynistic it's like all this stuff and you know i mean how do they get misogynistic out of it I don't know, but I well, guess. Well, I guess with the with every it's you know, beauty isn't everything, it's the only thing. 
I'm female exploitation. There you go. Misogynistic. Yeah. Misogyny. I think that's like a lot of people just kind of missing the point of like what the movie's going for, though, too. Like, well, that's what I'm saying. It's weird that you hear that thrown at this one, and then last night in Soho, it's the feminist come like. Eloise did what every female needs to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what she did. <laughs> like, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie I don't think is misogynistic. It's just, it it it, ha- it has, like, it touches on misogyny as a theme. Like, I think that it presents it in the movie as an idea. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, the movie itself I don't think is misogynistic in any way. Oh, I don't think, I don't think, why, I think, I mean, it's a real look at what happens in that world. Now, obviously, they don't kill people. Yeah, I was going to say, not them, that real. Like, <laughs> well, no, but I mean, if you think about it, dude, you get to 21. Just I mean, the sentiment, you know? Well, I would say if you had to go through and, and I don't know much about it, but if you had to go through and you try to become, you could go actor, singer, songwriter, anything dealing with the entertainment world out in California, it's it's probably bad and mm. you have to have another job so you and rent's ridiculous so i mean to live in a motel i was like that makes sense you don't she doesn't really have a job yeah you know so i mean if you're just trying to make it and get by and that's what you're going into but not only that think about just like in last night in soho i mean for her to be promised this is what you'll have to do to get to be this like person mm-hmm. like you have to sleep with all these guys like she didn't go no i don't she was like if that's what it takes and then you got to think about the men in the films of not no one taking, no one helping the character. Mm. No one helps. I mean, the only one that did was Dean. And I thought Dean was going to turn into someone bad. And he didn't. But that's what I'm saying. Like, at every point, at any interval, like like you said, Hank, he just said he. And, like, we just assumed it was Hank that went into room 214 because uh, – it's he's a predator that's mm. how i view him and he talks about you know real hard candy and yeah talking like you want to get your rocks off do this i have them they pop in every day right it's just an association so i mean like i think it's an actual like we get to see a a, a big deal about the female's perspective mm. and kind of being in these um very vulnerable uh environments yeah and dealing with something that no one really has a um there's not like a scorecard on beauty mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so you have to do whatever it takes to be viewed as the number one person yeah i mean there's millions of people doing podcasts right now we're not number one <laughs> you know and i'm saying like imagine like if we you know what it would take to get to that spot mm-hmm. that's not even we're not even putting ourselves we're sitting in the comfort of a room it's not like we're like she got naked in front of jack like right. jack was like get naked i was like no one knows what's going to happen. Like, did you go, oh, Jack's going to just put some stuff on her and take photos? Or were you like... The first time watching, I was just like, what is this guy doing? You know? Yeah, that's the whole point. Like, you're, she's vulnerable. So, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why it doesn't... I don't think it's necessarily misogyny, though. No. Like, that. if it were, then Jack would have did something there and it would have really looked at it. But it is interesting to me, at least, to feel that the vulnerability that she was in in that environment... And know that it's not just like that's not just like a one-time thing. Like it's not just in a movie. Like that happens. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. So it's a very ugly world when you kind of get down into the nitty-gritty of it. That's and that's what Winding Refn does sometimes is he he shows you some of the he, you know the turned-over rocks, mm-hmm. and it's just not very. It's not pretty. 
It's not, yeah, it's not fun. It's not fun. <laughs> so, and that's what, we just want to have fun. <laughs> and then, so you, you don't just compound it with cannibalism. That's what I'm thinking. Like, <laughs> I'm already not having a great time, you know? And right. it's a really good, I, I really liked it. Like, I, those are films that it's like, oh man, like, I, like you're really thinking and we're, we're seeing different things and different viewpoints of the world and kind of, I've never thought about what it takes to be a female and trying to get into a certain spot and what people would, because Jack could have easily had sex with her and been like, I don't need you anymore. I'm not going to take your photos. Hmm. And Jack would have had sex and gotten off and she'd be back to square one with nothing to show for it. Besides Mm -hmm. having something that she happened that she didn't want to have happen, Mm -hmm. which is very startling. So, I mean, it's just, it's a lot of, you know, but I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he. I don't think he, he was having. It wasn't misogynistic. I don't think. I think it was no, a think, very real world perspective about being vulnerable and in the side of things as a female predator or prey. Yeah, I think a lot of people take the wrong thing away from this movie, so they just kind of see it at face value, and then they don't really think about it too much wow. after that. Dude, I mean, or you could be like the you know normal white guy that watches, like that shit doesn't happen like you know, <laughs> like ariel being black like that she's white in the first one why she's got to be white in the second one yeah you know that's i'm not like that women don't have to do that stuff i mean i don't have to you know and it's just like dude like just completely don't even put yourself in the shoes or in that in that situation of what the actor is going through or what they're going through so no but that's my take people don't want to think too deep about it so yeah. they just get pissed off yeah and then they throw it back at you as a defense mechanism mm-hmm. like no you're the idiot for making it bigger than what it should be it's like i don't know man like, <laughs> i'm not sure about that yeah but, um so we can kind of move on what would you rate this movie i gave this an eight out of ten mm. i told um yeah i was talking to jasmine we got done with it and i was like man that was kind of kind of nuts i don't think there's anything that would have made it better or worse so the ending could have been different i don't think that there's an ending in my head that i would have had out that i would have been like that would have made it a nine out of ten mm. i think this movie is visually striking the cinematography is well done the music is on point the lighting is fucking crazy what this dude does and then some of the shots that he has is just remarkable mm. you know like his 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 he's just good but to a certain extent, because he's not good with the actors and mm. making them. But I thought, I think the reason why this is better too is because the acting was good. Mm. I'm giving this a six out of ten. Six? Yep. Wow. We are like exact last night in Soho versus. I think it's just, we just flip flopped. <laughs> we uh, flipped the coin, baby. That's how it is. Yeah. No, I really love the visuals. I think that it's like one of the most gorgeous movies I've seen. In terms of like what's going on, cinem- like cinematic wise, um, mm-hmm. I think that what Winding Refn wanted out of the movie, he definitely got. Um, just in terms of like the pacing and like how he lingers on certain shots, and then the ending itself, I just I really didn't connect with too much. Yeah, no, and that happens, mm-hmm. and that's that happens. Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, what movie will you think about more? You think you'd think about this one? This will enter your mind way more than Last Night in Soho because I don't. I don't know if Last Night in Soho ever. Think I think about I will it admit that like Neon Demon will like stick in my mind more. Yeah, and that's not for bad or worse. I mean, mm-hmm. you could watch a movie that's a three rated movie and just have some things that just pop out that you're like, you know. But mm-hmm. that's what I was curious about, and that's why I, I kind of was thinking because I think this movie is a little bit more remarkable. But um, what was the one? Uh, Stranger. Stranger. What was the movie that we watched 
um the russian um i'm the russian movie that we watched oh stalker stalker that's <laughs> what i'm trying to think about stalker i was about to say <laughs> i was like I, stranger what like, are you talking I had about stalker at a six out of ten i think but i mean it's still the same i will think about that more than i think about freaking mm. last night in soho i love stalker so uh speaking of demons oh yeah our viewers are not demons they're angels yes they're beautiful cherubs that give us questions that we can answer love it and uh, we got some questions from the facebook so we only got a couple but that's okay a couple is better than none and uh angels nuns religion you know things things (laughs) yeah yeah they all tie into each other um so our first question comes from joanne my mom uh, she asks if you could go anywhere for one week and bring one person you know, where would where would you go and who would you bring? One person that we know. So, um, well, mom, since you're asking the question, I would bring you to Hawaii. Oh, there you go. There you go. Does that make you happy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You like that, Joanne? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No. Um, I don't know. What would you say? Um, so I got kind of two. I think one would be me and Jasmine. And uh, I think I'd want to go somewhere that's probably a little exotic. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is all inclusive, right? Yes. Like, we're not. Like, someone just said, hey. Someone said, you won the lottery. You get to pick where you go. You get for, to pick who you bring. Right. Yeah. No. So I would do that. I think I'd go somewhere exotic. Um, warm, but not dangerous. Mm. Which is kind of tough sometimes, but so Afghanistan's not in your yeah, round of not choices. That warm, I'm like exotic, like tropical exotic. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Or the uh, cruise liner and speed two. Oh, that yes. would be a fun one. I would want to die on there. <laughs> uh, I'll be I'll be the guy who uh, gets hit in the face with a golf club. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stuff me in the closet for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then find me and then almost kill me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Or I would have, I I do something with Preston Mm -hmm. and I think I would take P probably like to that, like to the Appalachian mountains or somewhere where we could kind of do some like hiking, backpacking stuff, you know, a little bit of a man and nature you know, mm-hmm. like grab a tent and kind of, you know, just have, I mean, I think it'd be a good father son kind of experience to go through and say, all right, we're going to, we're going to take, take out some of the elements of the world and just get back a little bit more to the, to the roots, Yeah, you know, pardon the pun, but, mm-hmm. um, cool. Yeah. I think that would, that would be, a, I saw that question too. And I was like, I'm just not good with traveling. I haven't traveled very much. Actually, a week. So if we could do a week and I have all the money in the world, I think, I mean, Preston, that's one, that's one B. Jasmine would be one A, and I think it would be uh, going to all 30 ballparks in a week. Mm-hmm. Like something where if we could do it, you know, like we catch, you know, the two Chicago games on the same day, and then we could hit, like, I don't know if you could do it in a week, though. Maybe knock out maybe like the Midwest. Yeah. Or go East Coast, like go check out Fenway, New York, Baltimore, like in a week. Drive like do the drive, mm-hmm. you know, drive around. Like that'd be super fun. Instead of like taking a plane. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. I think I would um you know, I'd probably want to take Megan over to Europe. I think that'd be fun. Yeah. I think uh I've always wanted to go to Europe. 
I've always wanted to travel there and just kind of like see the different countries, experience like the different food. It's mm-hmm. mostly the food that I'm driven towards. That's um, what I'm saying. Like you got to check it out, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to. Anthony I wanna tra- Bourdain. Right. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain around the world, baby. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. Yeah. Yeah. Pour one out. Um, my second choice, and I'm being completely serious when I say this. Yeah. I think it'd be cool if you and I could go to like a like a movie like festival sort of thing. Oh, that would be sick. Like Cannes or like Sundance or yeah. something. Like just any kind of cool like film festival where we can go around and like see all these upcoming movies, see a lot of like indie stuff. Yeah. Like just the environment and the experience. See, I think that'd be really neat. I think, and I 100% agree. That'd be like cool. And then like actually, you know, get out and see some of like the food and whatnot too. Because I'm a you know, food Yeah, because Cannes is in France. I think. Really? Mm-hmm. See, the problem that I have with it, though, is like I just don't know if I can relate. But yeah. it would be cool if you could get out there and like people did take to our perspective on things. Because <laughs> yeah. I think we definitely have a unique perspective. And, and I think there is a juxtaposition between that and like who we'd meet, mm-hmm. where there'd be maybe an appreciation. It, but what I get nervous about is if there's 50 uh, you know, NWRs sitting in a sitting in a room and it's like you're trying like we're trying to do this and they're just staring at us like obviously and then they go like they watch a film and they talk about the symbolism that's involved and like Uh there's literally like no words spoken but they like they're like yeah it's obviously about this is about farming and then you know it's about freaking uh us you know losing control on some of these Mm -hmm. industrial prices it's like you literally just watched a guy eat an egg. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's because, about it's about the inflation rates of, of yeah. the U.S. economy and the, yeah, and it, the sort of struggle that mothers have when it terms you know when it comes to like getting maternity leave. And it's like, no, you just watched a movie where like a guy snorted liquid chicken nugget. Like, <laughs> like, like that's what I'm saying. Like, how do you pick up on that? Like, where does that you know? <laughs> and then we're the assholes, right? <laughs> So yeah, that's be, why I would be nervous about. I'd that be intimidated. One. Well, I mean, like you, we definitely would have to go in there, but like we'd have to try to, you know. So I don't know, but it would probably be. I mean, that would be sick because then what you could do is if you go to that, and then we do like we set up the the podcast in the room. So after every day, like you know, we hop on there for an hour, mm-hmm. talk about it, like where, where we went to eat, what movies we saw, who yeah. we ran into, just like what what know? France is like. Yeah. Like the type of celebrities that we spotted or like maybe ran into. Yeah, yeah. Because like that's a cool thing with uh, Can too is that like you literally could like run into like the directors or like some of the main actors in movies. Like I, I, I would, dude. I would just like some of it. I would just be like, hey man, like don't give me your fucking actors. Like, do, do you think that movie was like what? What did it represent to you? Or you know, like oh, you like you just thought it was a piece of shit. <laughs> like Elle Fanning, like to do like she has to give you this whole spiel on it, but it's like hey. Like, what do you think it was like that it intended to be that way mm-hmm. and have her be like, oh, God, yeah. So like, oh, God, no. Can you believe that they had, you know, like, that's what I'd want to hear. The, right. Just like the completely candid, like, yeah. How but, do you feel about this? Like what you don't have to make art and then give me a I made art answer. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like give me the like, you know, some people don't agree with the Van Goghs. I think I think sometimes you can tell, too, when actors try to do that. Yeah. Or like. Sometimes when actors are honest about it, like a lot of the actors from Game of Thrones when that last season was going on, people were asking them like, so how, what can we expect from these last episodes? And a lot of the actors would kind of cringe up and they'd be like, it's the best. Like they're just trying to put on a face, you know? Yeah. And you can clearly tell that's like, oh no, that's not a good sign at all. So yeah, that'd be an interesting aspect of it for sure. 
I just think it'd be really cool. Just any like big film festival, really, because like not only that, but they're also hard to get into. So if I had a choice in the matter, I definitely would take it. You know, because you have to have like kind of like critic credentials and like all this stuff. Like if you weren't involved in the movie that's in it, you have to be like a part of like this sort of press screening process, I guess. Oh, we could go through. Let's just make a film and get it into cans. Oh, yeah. Just like that. We'll, We'll do that. Um, that's what one of the guy the guy that made the beta test and uh the 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 wolf of snow hollow mm. i think he made a uh he he made a film oh my god from what i can remember and i hope it's the right set of guys because there was a group of guys that wanted to get into cans and so they actually just made a film to get in there and then bash it oh really yeah because <laughs> they don't agree with what can you know some of them are like like let's not do this mm. You know, this is so 1950s. Yeah. Like, we make art, but we don't have to sit here and smoke the cigarette, you know, out of the thing so we don't get it on our hand wearing our white glove, you know. Like, Mm. we can be genuine about what we say and we can be candid. Like, I think, you know, so I think I'm pretty sure that that happened. There's definitely, like, a culture around it, too, that's, like, kind of, like, oh, we are, we're filmmakers, you know. Yeah. Like, kind of the artiste sort of crowd that I think would be like a little bit to deal with, but I don't know. It'd be interesting either way. Right. I think we would definitely get something out of it. Agreed. <laughs> um, our next question, a uh, set of questions I should say comes from, uh, Justin, good friend of the pod. Jay hall. Yeah, no, no, no. Jay hall. Good friend, friend of the pod. Yes. Jay hall. Good friend, friend of the pod has a, has a set of questions for us. His first one is if you could only watch one TV series for the rest of your life, what would your lifelong binge be? It's hard to not say Breaking Bad because that is my favorite show of all time. And I am currently rewatching it right now, like for the fifth time and still enjoying it, still getting new things out of it, still appreciating it. Yeah. So, I mean, the only other TV show that I think I could say is Dark because that show I think is made to be rewatched the German time travel show because well have you seen it mm-hmm. I saw the first I watched the first season when it came out and then they released the second season and I, I think it was two years later mm. two or three it was enough time for like I didn't I, I didn't catch up with it and and I think that whole show is very detailed there's a lot of things that you can look for and explore upon rewatches and sort of maybe like connect different things to like without giving too much away about the show. It's a lot of like, it's a lot of things connecting in like this web of like this timeline and like these different sort of, I I don't want to say too much about it, but I I, I feel like there's a lot you could do to like get out of it. You're, you're, you're talking like, purgatory here like you're in purgatory and i think it you get like one dvd box collection you're going breaking bad or dark well i mean what what's a show i'm thinking of like a show like what's the most i can get out of a show yeah but like or what's a show that i can get the most out of and i think breaking bad and dark are pretty decent choices you know in terms of like how much can i get out of dark in terms of like oh I can try, like try to figure some things out. Like I can try to connect these different things. Yeah, but like, like let's say on the third one you got it all down. Like now it's just. I don't watching. think I would. <laughs> okay, but I'm saying like all right after the fifth one, tenth one, like you're 
you have you're rewatching it once a year. I mean, like you can't. It's also just like a anything, good TV huh? show. I'm like, not saying it's not. I'm just I'm blown away that you're going with dark with this a German like tra- time travel show mm-hmm. with everything else out there. Like I, I I'm like ba- Breaking Bad. I think is what I go with. Or I was like I was thinking about the Wire, but the Wire is so heavy. I don't know if I could wa- rewatch the Wire. I love the Wire, mm. and I think there'd be enough. But like that is it's just. Well, I'm not going to go with because I haven't watched that many TV shows either. So I'm not going to go with a TV show that I haven't seen. Well, I know because like I could watch it and think it's total shit, and then well, I'd have to be stuck with it for the rest of my life. Right. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Like I don't. I, I'm going with. I, it's either Breaking Bad or probably Archer. Archer's funny enough for me, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. um, quippy. I think quips. Yeah. In it that. Like you can look like references that you don't necessarily get that you can look up, but it's all it's fun and it's easy to go down and it's thirty minutes, so it's not like if I just need to throw something on real quick, you know. Yeah. Like that's I dark just seems a little you're you're rewatching it for the fifth or sixth time and it's like I I think you're at that point of like you know everything that's going on, so now you're just reading I mean, hey, you know what? I'm not here to judge. Hmm. Um I'll say uh, always sunny, I think would be a good pick. Oh, yeah. Because there's, a, there's a, also a lot of that show. Um, yeah. Like, Seinfeld's probably an easy one that if you... Like, I don't know if you ever watched Seinfeld, but Seinfeld would be an I've easy... I've seen, I think, most of the episodes. I think sitcoms are kind of the easiest one to be in because you can also take some abstract thoughts about, like, what's going on mm-hmm. or apply some theories to yeah. the situations if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's part of why I picked Dark, too, is there was a lot to interpret there also. Yeah, but I mean, I guess. <laughs> you're really not liking my dark I, answer. <laughs> it, to me, that is like really, it's <laughs> very indie. I'll just say that mm. very hipster. Pick. Have you met me? <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm like, <laughs> Do you I know who even, I am. <laughs> listen, man. I mean, everyone. I'm like indie hipster. Like, I think there is a point though where it's like you, you rest of your life, like. You know, just think about it real quick. Well, having seen the whole show, I think there's a lot to get out of it too, like. In terms of I'm like, not saying there's not, but dude, I'm saying you're 52 and you're putting it back on. <laughs> like, have uh, listen. You, if you've you know, met my dad, you know he likes to rewatch a lot of shit. So I'm guaranteed to have some of that passed down. To I me. think so, but I think like the guarantee, like I for me, it's like always like curb your enthusiasm. Always sunny. Parks and Rec. Like the sitcoms are like a lot of rewatchability because of the scenarios that they're in, mm-hmm. and it's very relatable and. If you wanted to, you could probably come up with your own theories if you've seen it enough to where you could create your own timelines about like what's going on in the show and what the characters are doing. Whereas like with Dark, it's pretty much factual. So like once you get your spider web, like it'd be like primer. Like if you wanted it, but that also seems like insane to me now because it's like you're gonna watch primer for the rest of your life trying to figure out compounding events on the timeline. Like, that would be, it just doesn't sound something that it would be fun. Like, I feel like you'd probably go insane after, like, 15 years. Maybe that's what I want. Could be. I want to go insane so I don't have to think about how I only have to watch one TV show for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I'm a teacher. I just, I would, one, it would be, I'd be curious. I wish there's sometimes where, like, if you made, like, comments like that. Like, if I was, like, oh, one TV show. Yeah, like, uh, let me watch. I'm trying to think of something that's just, like, really outlandish, <laughs> you know? And that's not, not saying Dark's good. Like, I've seen there's two or three seasons of it, right? There's three seasons. Yeah. And it's a complete show. Like, it has an ending. 
It's like so. There are three seasons of it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. it's done. Done. It's done. Done. Okay. Because I I watched the first one and I I was excited about season two coming out and I never got into it. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's like a and I'm, because I've seen it. I'm just it's curious. But like, you know, you all right? Like, let's throw you into the scenario. I want to see it played out. Mm. Like, if it ever fizzles out, you know. Like I'm like it just registers timelines like on a fax machine, mm. you know, just prints paper, <laughs> and it's just like every situation that happens, and then like it ends. It says, you know, you're, you know, twenty forty eight, yeah. April sixteenth. Kyle picks up the box and like lights it on fire, or you know, like just something where it's like, oh, that's when it ended. Like it'd be kind of interesting. Like, it would be like yeah. you get to watch this show. For the rest of your life, how long do you think you could watch it for? Right. You know, like, and then like, oh, I'm going to pick, you know, I'm going to pick the wire. Mm-hmm. It's like, it says like, you know, 2032. Mm-hmm. Like that's when you just, you know, that's when you just sell a bit from TV. Yeah. Well, I'm also interpreting the question as you, you know, it only pertains to TV shows. So I could, I could still watch movies, like mm-hmm. whichever movies I could still do whatever I wanted. It's just, if I had to watch if I wanted to watch any TV show, it would have to be like that one specific one. Right. So, and I don't watch much TV anyway. Right. Like, except for rewatching Breaking Bad a lot. I mean, of I times. feel like this is like an unfair question to you because you probably got like six shows under your palate. I mean, so it's you're... it's not much. I will admit. Yeah, it's like you're, you're... Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, Dark, um, like I'm Always Sunny, The Office, kind of. Like I, I'm. I'm that I'm struggling to get four right now. <laughs> and it's, That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's just kind of you don't have much of an options what you're picking off of. So yeah. you know it's like all right. So let's take Breaking Bad out. You just you got three of those. So mm. I could see you know I I think always oh, sunny but Avatar Last Airbender. Okay, that'd be a good one. I think. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Or Dragon Ball Z. I could do Dragon Ball Z probably. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z would be easy for you because there's a lot of it, isn't there? Oh, my God. There's just so much of it. And <laughs> actually just to sit down and then I could watch one episode a day. There's probably like 300 episodes. Like I could, I could one episode a day, I could fill out a year. Yeah. You, you know? You'd be set. Yeah. And it's like I, I get to the very end of it and I'm just sitting there weeping on New Year's Eve. And then I'm like, oh, I get to start. I could just put on the first episode again tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then just. Yeah. Yeah. You'd just be set. I, yeah i don't know i like my choices yeah um, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if they're wrong you're good, you're good. <laughs> even yeah. if i'm a fucking idiot <laughs> um hit the last question that we have from justin uh or sorry uh good friend friend of the pod jay hall yeah is uh after a year and 27 episodes what have been some unforeseen challenges about the podcast and what have been some unexpected positives that have come from it um audio I, unforeseen challenges i yeah i yeah. didn't think or positives it could go both ways well i it, audio is definitely a challenge um not as much but there have definitely been some instances where i've had to edit the podcast quite a bit because the audio is screwed up in some way like the episode that we had with sam we just oh, had a yeah. third mic where the the thing that connected the microphone to the mixer Anytime you bumped it, it made this horrible, like, crackling sound that we would all have to suffer through. And even if you touched it a little bit, which, I mean, it's hard to do when you're sitting in a chair and the mic is, like, right in front of your face. Right. So that has been kind of an unforeseen challenge a little bit. Um, So editing. 
so yeah, some like a lot of it for me is just like the editing stuff. Um, just putting it together. Like sometimes it's like the audio will interfere with something so much that I'll basically just have to cut an entire sentence out to make the rest of the podcast make sense. Mm-hmm. But that hasn't been super often. And for the most part, I'm able to just listen through to it and not have to worry about cutting too much stuff out. So, yeah, I don't know. What would you say? Unforeseen challenges? Uh, Probably just like fitting in time to watch the movies. Mm -hmm. I think kind of when it comes down to the wire or just, you know, not the show. (laughs) Um, I think that's been a little tricky of just trying to like, all right, like the Oscar Yes. Yep. When it was like, all right, we're going to watch all these things. And we got, you know, we got three weeks to do it. (laughs) Well, we had, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Three weeks to watch 10 films, you know, so that's one every two days. Pretty much. I mean, and and it's like, all right, so if it's one every two days, you do, you don't do it the one day, the next day you can't plan anything. Like you Mm. have to, you're going to watch a film. Yeah. You know, so it's like, it's, it, it was that, it's just been tricky. So I think that's been about it. And then it's not like in a bad thing. It's just, Sometimes it can be like this week, you know, I was just back and was last night in Soho, um, last night in the Neon Demon today, just mm-hmm. because, you know, with football going on and all that stuff. But um, it's, it's a, they're fun challenges though. Yeah. I would say, and I don't know if it unforeseen, I couldn't say unforeseen. I knew we, it would be challenging to do this. Actually, I take that back. When you say, hey, you're going to watch two movies and you got three weeks to do it, you're like, oh, yeah, that's easy enough. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, once you don't you realize how much life gets in the way of like yeah you're watching stuff because I definitely have that feeling too sometimes mm-hmm. where it's like oh in two days we're recording the podcast and I haven't watched either film that we're gonna talk about yeah and kind of like this episode like I watched last night in Soho yesterday and I watched Neon Demon today mm-hmm. I think you did the same thing mm-hmm. so sometimes it's like life just gets in the way and we have a lot of responsibilities like we have jobs we have people to socialize with look after i mean you have a son so i mean just a bunch of shit goes on it's so. just kind of like you know balancing this with our lives outside of this yeah and, and making sure that we have an opinion about the film that we watch yeah that's I, another like you when you watch it you can't just have it on in the background mm-hmm. like you have it's you're going to sit down and watch it and you have to actually take in soak it in let it marinate and then you know try to have some some thoughts on it so yeah i think i think part of the challenge too is just like like you said finding finding the right like like how you feel about a movie sometimes isn't obvious right away Mm -hmm. at least not for me like sometimes when i watch a movie it takes me a couple days to form my complete opinion sometimes i watch it and i i formulate that opinion while i'm recording the podcast and i'm kind of getting my feelings out there and sort of shaping it as we're having the conversation yeah and so sometimes that happens i try to make it so that i have a concrete feeling about it before we record and that's the case for the most of it but sometimes it's not as black and white 100 mm-hmm. percent. so i mean the positives um positives i don't know the positives actually are just being able to talk to people about films like everyone that listens to it you know uh jay hall we've gotten more conversations we've watched some movies together Mm -hmm. um you know i used to live in this world where like at sam's club dude like we just go and it's like we'd start talking but you hadn't seen you know like a lot of the films that i had seen and 
And it's kind of like, I don't know the person that I'm talking to about this because we could easily talk about the neon demon and how, uh, you know, a pyramid looks like a womb and she's being rebirthed into, you know, narcissistic with her cognition. Mm. Or I just say, yeah, the colors were really nice and the (laughs) the music popped. Yeah. (laughs) Like there's two different conversations that I'm going to have with someone about that because of what how I interpret film and how I see it. Sometimes you get really abstract thoughts. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think a positive out of it is being able to talk to people and have them actually lay a little bit more on me too because they probably go, oh, Mac knows more, a little bit more about it than what we've ever talked about because it's always been surface level and maybe neither one of us wanted to, you know. So that's been really a pleasant thing, being yes. able to talk about it with people. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's like I really don't give a shit because, like, I'll just tell you what I – pretty much going to tell you what I think about it because you're going to hear it one way or another. Yeah. If I surface level you in a conversation and I drop it down when we get into the pod, like you're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like give me something, man. <laughs> yeah. Like don't, don't, don't treat me like a mouth breather. Like talk to me like you fucking talk on that pod. God damn it. Like right. you talk to Kyle. So that's what, that's how I do it. And then now it's pretty much either people stay around and talk or they get up and they just go, yeah, no, that's cool. And they get up and they go somewhere else. Right. <laughs> it also, it's like, it really has helped out to cut out some of the bullshit when we talk about movies. I think so. And along those same lines, it's like this podcast and I was already wanting to, you know, be a little more critical minded when it comes to talking about films. But this podcast has really helped me in terms of like critically thinking about a film and all the different aspects of it and like what works, what doesn't, what I took out of it, like what I interpreted it as. Mm-hmm. And I think that this has helped me have an avenue for that sort of thinking. And it has made it a more consistent thing in my life. And also it's ex- it's just exposed me to more movies that I might not have even ever watched before doing this yeah. podcast. Like, I mean, we, you know, <coughs> we talk about a lot of like, you know, big budget like kind of theater movies but there's also movies that are older that we've talked about like stalker or movies that you know i never even knew existed or heard of that have come from another country like chopper yeah like i think that there is a lot of value in that we can give each other films to watch that we might not have never even you know had in front of us in any point of our life and i think that is a really cool aspect of it Yes, we're getting cultured, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Critical thinking, baby. Yeah, <laughs> college level education. Let's go. It also uh, it has tricked people into thinking that I'm smarter than I actually am. It's a nice. It's a nice perk. Mm-hmm. It's really nice when you get like. It's kind of. It was like Neon Demon esque, but you get poked in the chest a little bit, and then you start dropping down like like a little bit bigger concepts or like how you perceive the film. Yeah, and watch people cower. Yeah, and you're like, hey. Get the fuck out of my face with that. Mm. You know, like, I'm not going to have you come up here and start hitting me with stuff. Like, mm. you know, this is how I see it. And if you're going to fucking come at me like that. But I've, I haven't really had anyone that's just like, I'm going to challenge you on film. And because honestly, too, I really I, I think in, in this endless and en- this infinite space of nothingness. You know, like I could probably care less if someone wanted to say I know more about a movie than you because I'm like, great. Like Mm. if you're getting paid for it, awesome. And if you're not, I'm glad that you're that passionate about it. You went a little Vincent on me there for a second. This endless space of nothingness. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> a little bit of Tom Cruise silver hair going well, on. Well, I mean, we don't need to, you know, I don't, I don't, the, the, the other point of the pot is too that we, sp- and I read the, my bio recently 
um on the website mm-hmm. you know and i forgot how much fun i had with it but i was like oh i because i still feel that way it's a nice avenue to talk about movies and you know you get into a you really you can get anywhere with anyone and if they've seen a if you've both seen a film you're gonna have two different perceptions on it and if mm-hmm. both people feel comfortable about talking like what they saw it opens up dialogue and it's a nice conversation yeah you know so it's helped me it's also helped me just be more confident in my opinions about things yeah and just sort of like even if someone has an opposing view on a movie mm-hmm. i can respectfully like disagree with it and tell them why i disagree with it but also I respect can, their like why they you know yeah i can understand why they would or wouldn't like a movie that i feel the opposite on yep you know it's fun yeah i think uh it's really healthy in that way too this podcast is making me a better person. You're growing, Kyle. You're really doing it. I'm a real boy. <laughs> I'm going to recommend the shitty Pinocchio movie no, voiced by no, Polly Shore next episode. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a fun recommendation. So. Speaking of which, yeah, you get to make a film pick recommendation. Okay, so um, I, I'm doing this for, you know, for my number one fan. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to package it together, so I'll see what you have to say. I have not seen either of these films. One is in theaters. Ooh, double feature. Yeah, one is. The other one, it's a it's a sequel. Okay. Um. So you said one's in theaters. Yeah. So I went on. I got the cinema because I'm a I'm a I'm a uh, I have a VIP card. Congratulations. Well, I don't have a VIP card, but I have the card. Yeah. So I can get the cinema app and logged into it, and I can get deals and whatnot. They kind of. Yeah. I have a. I'm gonna me and me and uh, Jasmine are gonna go see this film at some point. Oh, uh, nice. but I have a, I have a BOGO for uh, the Orphan Two. Oh my God! So I <laughs> really, think, I think we should do uh, <laughs> the Orphan and then the Orphan Two. Oh wow! Yeah, I had I didn't expect this at fucking all. Yeah, uh, I didn't. I knew that you wouldn't. <laughs> Oh my god, dude, dude! Like we've been talking about it, and you know, it's you gotta see the orphan, you gotta see this film, you gotta. Oh my god, Orphan Two came out, we gotta go see it. And oh I'm like, wow! I was like, I'm, I'm a, you know, I, well, hey, listen, I love you, so if you want to see it, we'll see it. You know, like okay. that's, I, I'm willing to do that because it's really not my cup of tea. But All right, I'm sure that there's something interesting on it. But then when I got the Bogo, I was like. She's like, we're gonna see it. You should talk about it. I was like, yeah, that would. And I haven't seen the first one, so these are two films that I'm gonna have. Yeah, and, me too. And I haven't seen either of them. And it's leading into Halloween, so we get a little bit of uh, some of the Ooh. horror out of there. Um, you know, if we don't, if we don't get it on, that's in, a in fun. That's a fun pick. Yeah, I think we'll. I think we'll actually have a. It'll be a fun time. I think so. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. If you guys don't want to be spoiled for. The Orphan or The Orphan 2, which is in theaters currently. Yeah. Um, be sure to watch those movies before episode 29. Appreciate you guys listening. You can check us out on our website, www.neoncrewpodcast.com. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, various social medias. If you search us up, find us there. Give us a follow. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. Um uh, gonna try to make more clips. I put out a new one not too long ago about our talk on At Eternity's Gate, which has gotten a decent amount of views. Really? Yeah. Uh, nice. It's uh, it's it, a fun one. It had a little uptick after a few days of being on the channel, so I was really happy about that. And uh, I think it's a good conversation, so be sure to check that out also. Um, appreciate you guys. 
Mac, do you have anything you want to say before we hey, sign off? Hey, as always, everyone, as you stare out into the what did I say? <laughs> the, the eternal spinning ball of nothingness. Yeah, the infinity of space and time just coming at you. Just always remember, WWTHD. Bye, everyone.